Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the basement of Josh's house in the BOD studio, <laughs> it is playing and slaying. Welcome. Uh, tonight we have a very epic episode. Epic. I mean, our show notes have never gone to three pages before, <laughs> so we're going to oh. see what we can do. But they're double spaced. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> in this episode, though, we will let you know what we've been playing, buying, hobbying, uh, some uptum- upcoming Kickstarters and other interesting releases. We will do a Basement of Death library segment where we talk about what two of us have been reading, and we might let Josh talk about what he's been watching. Yay. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes videos, they rent like videos. Yeah. Right? Or, or libraries rent videos. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like DVD rentals. Yeah. Or maybe you could tell us about like kids' books. I've got, I got, I got something. I got yeah. something. Yep. Pete right. the Cat, Llama Llama, Red Pajama. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. Okay, good. Uh, and then we will talk about... Is kind of our main main topic tonight. Uh, our experiences and um, the events of the inaugural Brew City Brawl, uh, Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, it was a, uh, a wonderful weekend of gaming, and we'll dive into a little bit of coverage there uh, and, and what we did and what we saw. And then we'll also feature a discussion about sportsmanship in miniature wargaming. All right, boys, when you are playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. What is in our glasses tonight? Troy, we'll start with you. I have the house cocktail, which people should know. Yes, people should know. But if you don't. If you don't, it's. Blueberry acai van Gogh vodka with the white zero calorie monster. Ultra zero monster. And a couple of cubes of ice. Yeah. Looks like Windex. Yep. Tastes like delicious. Mm-hmm. All right, Joshua, you're up next. What do you got? From Bridgeport Brewing, I have Hopsar. Uh, it's a Citra Dry Hopped IPA. Uh, Bridgeport Brewing is out of Portland, Oregon. And it is pretty good. I'm a fan. Is it? Are, are you enough of a hipster to drink something from Portland? I mean, I have a cousin that lives in Portland, so... Okay. Yeah. That'll play. Yeah, thanks. Cool. How about you, Tyson? What are you drinking? Goddamn Burgettin. Whoa. Yeah. Ale Asylum in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, It is their Imperial Amber. Uh, I believe Imperial, uh, for those of you that are beer connoisseurs, means something. Usually when I see Imperial, I just know it means it has a higher alcohol content. Mm -hmm. Josh, do you know why it's an Imperial style versus... I, I think know. it's just fancy. Fancy? Yeah. There's something to do with barrel aging. Or, some, yeah, adding uh, some fancy terms. I'm not totally sure what imperial IV, uh, 
but uh, it, it tastes like Ambergeddon, but it is more goddamn bur. Hmm. But better. So, so yeah. Ambergeddon, but yeah, better. Yeah, it's good stuff. 9.2% yeah. <laughs> uh, alcohol by volume. So we'll see. Um, in a future episode, there has been a request that I drink from a certain <laughs> something that we'll talk yes, about later yeah. and have to finish it before we finish recording. Mm-hmm. So this would not be the beer yeah. to do for that challenge. Indeed. Yeah. This is it's good, but it's potent. Mm-hmm. All right. Smell, that, smells delicious. It, it, yeah, it smells really good. Mm-hmm. Um, can't wait to have another one, probably during our break. What have we been playing? Well, I've been playing Age of Sigmar. Five games of it. A whole plus bunch. Plus a practice game or two. So a lot of Age of Sigmar in the last, I don't know, week or two. I don't know that I've played any other games other than Age of Sigmar in that time. So... Well, you I'll had dive. a you had a big uh, you had a big tournament to jump into, so you had yep. to prepare. Yep. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll leave the playing to you guys, and I'll cover more <clears> of my <throat> games at Brew City uh, later in the show. Cool. Troy, what have you been playing? John and Ashton and I got Downforce to the table, which I had bought at Gen Con last year. So <laughs> at least it wasn't in the shrink, but it was I got it off. to off the shelf so downforce it's uh, a racing game card driven basically you have a a board and and cards and it's what's interesting is you have bidding racing and and betting all mixed in there in the end it's a very simple racing game where you each have cards and each of those cards have all the different cars on them so you'll get a hand of cards and one of the cards may say move the yellow car and the yellow car three spaces and the blue card two spaces and then you may own like the yellow or the the green and the red car and that's what kind of the interesting so in the beginning of the game you basically bid on the cars they come up and each of them have come up you get a car and then a power like a special ability for that car come up randomly there's a card for it so it'll be random like the, the combinations of those they come up you bid on the cars that you want, so you'll get them. And it kind of works out that you once you have a car, then you can't bid anymore, so that everybody ends up with a, a car or, or multiple cars. So you can actually have it where some people only have one car, other people have multiple cars, but then they would have spent more money to get their cars. And in the end, the winner is whoever ends up with the most money. So if you have more, if you have if you bought two cars in the beginning, you better make sure you those cars either either you bet on enough cars to make money or they finish well so that you get your money back that you spent on them. So some interesting choices, kind of at the beginning and the end and the middle, and then the game itself. You you've got you know a hand of cards that again will have all the different colors on them, and you'll have a different mix, and you get to see that hand before you buy the cars. So you can kind of say, "Ooh, it looks like I have." Are the, are the colors that, easy to match? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, just for, thin, thin. yeah. I mean, okay. Who was playing this game, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, a bunch of whites. So yeah, very easy. No, no problems with any kind of color, uh, color issues. Question. <laughs> good question though. But yeah, but, no, from I hear, the, I hear color and I twinge. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to yeah, be able to play this game. Yeah. Well. It was all whites playing that game. Right. So we, we definitely were at, you know, a bunch of disabled people. playing that. <laughs> so, so then when, when you, the race is happening, is there a way to, interact with other players or is it pretty much um, yeah because you again it's by that card play and so the cards so you, some of these cards will have all six cars on them and usually it's like the the top car will move like six spaces and then the next color car five and the order of that but you're the one that moves the cars and 
So you can actually, and then by that choice, you can actually move a car. And then the track in certain places will have pinch points. So you can actually move a car to kind of either block. So you're like, oh, yeah, the car behind it gets to move two spaces. But guess what? I moved this other guy, so you're blocked. And, you know, and that's not your car. So there's a some strat- real strategy of, like, when you play this car and look at how what order they're going to move in and where they are on the track. Uh, and then there's a couple, again, the special abilities for each car kind of go play in there because there is one where the player, the owner always gets to move his car, which is, a little, you know, gives him a little bit of advantage because okay. you can't screw that one up as much. Um, so, it, I mean, not heavy. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a very heavy game. You get through it probably 45 minutes at okay. the most. Where um, where do you put it in the the Flamme Rouge being um, bicycles and, and it, racing? It's, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. Um, very similar or, it, um, is it or Formula Day, that uh, sort of thing? It's a kind of a combination of... Like I would think, like the Flamme Rouge, it gives you a feel kind of like Flamme Rouge, but because you're moving all the cars, it has a little different uh, and the bidding aspect to it, right? Whereas Flamme Rouge is pretty much I just need I want to get my guys to win. But, Build your hand, yeah, yeah. But um, some similar choices, right? Where you have that, although in Flamme Rouge, right, you don't. What's interesting in Downforce is you have all the cards you're going to play in your hand at the beginning of the game. Okay, so you you can kind of know what you're not you're not going to build your strategy because you know things are going to change but you kind of know what cards you have you don't get them back you don't get them back it's a one and there's like one card like they'll go from eight there's like an eight your color eight is like the highest card right Mm -hmm. for the one car it just moves that car eight spaces down to other ones that move every car from six to one space all the way down okay um so some interesting there but yeah i would it's in you get a similar feel like a flam rouge there's no, I don't know if I've talked about the other one, the um, I think Richard Garfield game or something that has a similar feel where you move, where the car, you just have a deck of cards that come up and they move the cars around. Where you're, you know, so you're moving everybody's car. And so it has a similar mechanic to that, but, um, but it does it better. It does a little bit better. Cool. So, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got it. I mean, it's, it's uh, restoration games, uh, those guys. So the, this was an old game, Wolfgang Kramer game that was, I think, from like the 70s or 80s. Oh wow! Um, that they they brought back. Um, I don't know if they have it on here. What year? Um, but it was quite a while ago that 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 uh, that came out. And so this is a redo of that game. And then I think they added some of this bidding and um, and Can betting mechanic that's in there just to add another layer to, it, which is cool because then it's because <clears throat> as we played, I think we played two games. Can't think who ended up winning, uh, but it ended up being very close. And you didn't know, like even though a car won. Until you kind of did the math, like who, how much did you spend to buy the to buy the cards when you bid on them? How much did you bet? And then the betting. So there's three spots during the race where you bet to say first, second, and third which cars are going to win. You don't have to bet on your own. You just have to get you know like okay, I think these three cars are going to win. And then at the end, you go back and see how you came out and get you get some certain cash for that. So it's a total of what you know what you got from betting. What you won from where your car is placed minus whatever you spent to buy to get your cars to come up with your total, and so you really don't know at the end like in, we, until we did the math like oh who won was it John or or me and then we did two games we kind of did or okay then let's add them together and see who won overall I think I can't remember if it was Ashton or me won by just like a one or two million dollars they're all million dollar things so it's a lot of money um, cool but yeah uh, yeah I would recommend just again for a light our game probably a little bit of a, a crossover game or you know an entry game that you could get you know family to play they'd learn it pretty quick but it has that because it has that betting and 
bidding mechanic. I think there's enough meat there that you know real gamers will, will find it enjoyable. To, cool. So awesome. So that's downforce. Downforce restoration games. Well, Troy was racing cars. Um, I'm assuming Josh, this next game on the playlist is you. Yeah. So I've been playing, and the NDA has lifted. Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Magic: The Gathering Arena online. So uh, they recently added um, a well, the new set, Dominaria. Dominaria, Dominaria, yeah. And they also added um, a draft mechanic, uh, which hasn't, uh, as of this release, as of us recording, hasn't like been official yet. So like, there's there's a countdown on, on. I'm waiting. Uh, sometime tomorrow, I think it's tomorrow evening. That might get me back in after I lost seven games in a row and quit like early, early beta. Right? Yeah, no, I love draft. Like that's that's super cool. Um, they added also where you can throw in a chunk of coins. I think it's a thousand coins. So like as you play, you can win coins. You throw in a thousand coins, and you can uh, play different people and. You get two losses and then you're out. But as you win, if you win up to five, I think you win a couple packs and some coins additional. So you can like kind of you know add more to your uh, to your collection. So yeah, it's super super fun. Uh, they've they're doing it right. Like they they learned a lot from the from the beta, and they took a lot of feedback from folks. Um, I I added feedback. They sent out feedback forms a couple times and they asked kind of what what you want to see and i i think they're really they're really nailing it so uh, i'm excited for this to be a thing that i play a lot so do they um, have a date for when it goes real i don't know uh that's a great question i haven't haven't seen a release date Um, so it's still in beta right now right yeah but yeah it's it's sort of open beta now i think if you request like they'll they're people and i I don't know how long people wait but i know they're they've opened it beyond the initial like closed it's still closed like it's not sign up and play right you still have to request uh access to the beta and i was one of the early ones um because you know we know Mm -hmm. people but from where it was then to now, it's like night and day. Like this is this looks like a really right. finished product. They they've really put the polish on it, and it, it's great. Like uh, I'm I'm really pleased with where they're where they're at. So um, yeah, if I have ten minutes, you know, between <laughs> uh, conference calls or something, you know, I'm, I'm probably playing the game. So yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, fun. It's cool. I'm I'm a fan. So. Anyway, cool. I, someday I'm gonna have to get back. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's great because you know it, there's no there's hardly any investment, right? It's just time. So it's yeah. I, I mean, you can buy stuff. There's like gems that you can buy, but you don't need to. Like it's not necessary. So it's just if you want to, you can you can buy it. So yeah, I would recommend it for anyone that that likes magic. All right, Troy. Have you been playing Warhammer Underworlds? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So a little bit. And I can't remember. I don't know if I touched on it last time. So I painted up my Fire Slayers. Nice. Um, which is in my hobby. but um, And then we played with them. I did a played against Neil. And I can't remember if we talked about it in the last episode or not. But played against Neil. And then we played a three-player game last last week uh, with at work. So And uh, people are really like that. I mean, 
people who aren't like hardcore 40k or you know warhammer people are really into that game uh just a couple people at work and so i think we're going to get some really good momentum and hopefully kind of keep playing it and uh i just love putting the miniatures together and painting them and i i refuse to play with unpainted mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a little bit every once in a while winter but i mean i was like all right i'm playing with these fire slayers they're gonna get painted before they get, <laughs> get mm-hmm. and that's so fun i really like i played a couple times with them now and i built a deck um and i like what um, gw has online where they have some of the deck builds up there and so i haven't i've never taken like straight some of the net list but they give you some good ideas and i'll get i'll do like 90 percent, and then kind of tweak it a little uh, bit depending on what i'm doing and recently the seventh and eighth warbands released the um the blood warriors magors whatever yep. raiders and um the vanguard stormcast uh which which both look pretty good i haven't built them yet they look really good and there's some really cool cards in there so there's mm-hmm. some cards in there that i actually have in some of the fire slayer and some yeah. of the other corn the actually the other corn deck i added to that Yeah, garrick's reavers yeah because yeah. so, um, we had some really good um really good games with those if you build you need to give those guys a good tuned deck and they're pretty mm-hmm. they're fun they're they're fun to play but you need to make sure you have some some tuned decks so uh, what I'm really interested to see is what's next. Mm-hmm. For Shadespire being the initial release, they said there were going to be the eight warbands. Mm-hmm. They've released the eight. And it's kind of what, what happens next. What does season two look like? Do they yeah. change it from Shadespire to a different location? Right. Is there another box set? What? And I don't know that anyone's really seen that. So that, yeah. that's what I'm I'm interested in to, to see. Because on the community page, they also just teased uh, Warhammer Live, their Twitch channel, was going to be talking about the trading card uh, mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. that they're releasing. So they're moving into that arena. They have this, which is that hybrid between miniature yep. and, and trading card, mm-hmm. you know, collectible card game. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see where they go with that Warhammer Underworlds mm-hmm. uh, brand and what comes after Shadespire. Yeah, and I, I think it's got... My guess is the current season's going to have a little bit of legs because I, I, I think they can get... Yeah. yeah I know, so yeah. maybe christmas i don't know i'm just guessing right you'd think they're gonna let it run out a little bit and then before they release the second but that's what i'm expecting is like it's gonna be another core set of some kind right what, you, maybe new you'd boards or something like it'll that be new but, boards new location that might yeah. move out of the city of shadespire to another location within the realms add some additional factions or whatever yeah right yeah yeah but yeah i'm having fun i mean i'm i'm not playing it competitively but uh it's fun that yeah it's something about that game like and i think it's the and that's what one of the guys at work who's a very hardcore card gamer like he'll play any um and he enjoys that and he so what he he likes that part of it and then having the miniatures is kind of like a a really bonus and then what he's really liking is just the the 12 actions right it's it's because you have that you know the constraints of just you're going to play three turns score as many points as you can i think that was one thing that really appealed to him and i think that's what is fun right it's just that's the game you're gonna get through it and and see how many points you can score right so, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i think we're gonna keep playing that a little bit for sure cool. so i've been playing still a lot of player unknown battlegrounds uh, on the computer and every so often on steam I, I see what's new and interesting and i've been hearing some buzz about BattleTech. Mm. Uh, it released april 24th uh, it's like 40 dollars on steam and it's a real-time strategy tactics game where you control uh a group, a, a warband, if you will, of your mercenary um, battletech huge mechs. So it looks like turn-based, 
gameplay classic yep. set your action see what resolves uh in the battle tech world with huge max the graphics look pretty interesting um i'm i'm tempted i haven't bought it yet but i'm very tempted to, i, I to yeah play I, some haven't, I haven't done a whole lot you've done more research on that i just saw it and i was interested because the old i mean yeah i mean i grew up in the old the old battle tech game which was the first person in the mech mm-hmm. kind of thing and then i think it was more of the i think it was called mech warrior which was more like this game sounds like which mm-hmm. was the real-time strategy um kind of squad base which is more like the actual board game right or miniature game whatever it really is right kind of that um that hybrid but you know i mean i was never uh I was more interested in like the Battletech. I read all the Battletech fiction, Mike Stackpole, all those guys. Like, there's some really good stories back then. That, I read all that. Well, it, it we looks like the, game. the campaign mode and, has a decent amount of story. Yeah. Like, there's some voice acting, there's some cutscenes. Yeah. So, I don't know how good it is, um, but seems to have a decent following on, on Steam. We'll have to check it out. Nostalgia. <laughs> 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 all right. So that, that wraps up our playing segment. We will get into hobby. Uh, what I will lead off hobby with is this month we're doing a painting competition, kind of a guys from Milwaukee slash games workshop, local local shop, to paint a behemoth or monster. And it has to be done in May by May 26th. So uh, if the war scroll has the monster keyword or it's a behemoth keyword, and you start painting it in May, bring it into the shop on the 26th. We'll display them. We'll do some voting. And uh, there might be something in it for the winner from the, the guys from Milwaukee uh, crew. Very cool. With that being said, Josh, do you have a mold problem in your basement? I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so as everybody knows, I'm a, a Hearst Arts uh, mold geek, I guess. Uh, I've been addict. Yeah, addict. Yeah, Um, I kind of got off the bandwagon for a minute, um, but I'm fully hard back on, and I've been pouring molds um, at least two or three times a day. So I have uh, a couple projects I'm working on or working to get up to. So um, I'm very close on two of them, and then the third uh, I need a a couple more days. But yeah, then. I, I realized I don't have a whole lot of terrain for for Age of Sigmar or for 40K. And so I'm like, I have all these tools at my disposal. I need to start utilizing them. So, Well, that's good. I was just worried you were like building like a desk or like a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, ah, we need new cabinets. I think I can make those I can make a mold of mold those. Yeah, yeah and right. just, It's like 400 <laughs> blocks. I, if I... If I stack I cast, them all up. Yeah, yeah. So let's right. see. If I cast every <laughs> how many a day in two weeks, I'll have enough to. Right. right. Yeah. So that's good. If you're building, I'm, I'm, it's okay if you're building yeah, AOS terrain out of it. That's good. Right. Was, and then, so I, I, I never have enough um, uh, cobblestone tiles for um, the, the Black Plague mm-hmm. stuff. So whatever, like, so I'll, I'll pour my molds that I want to do. And if I have any left, I have that 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 mold out there, and I I pour a couple of those out as well. So I've gotten some good use out of that as well. So, so Josh, I don't know if it's secret. What secret? They really want you to build a two level. We need to build a two level tile for the zombicide. Oh boy! Basically, from the Wolfsburg. 
Um, so take one of those tiles. We need to, because I, I think you can yep. do it. The, the, I have actually a, a spiral staircase yep. that we can totally do this. So, yep. I, I don't have the wool. Sp- so I actually need to borrow the tile from you oh, just so to you know lay it out. Lay it out yep. right? But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make that, that happen. Because yep. that's going to be, that's the next step up. That's what we're going to. For sure. So that's my mold problem in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Troy, uh, have you been watching some hobby videos online? Yeah, I'm, and so Squadron, I don't know, Squadron.com, so they're like a massive just modeling, um, whatever, retailer. Um, and a lot of times they're historical, so a lot of what you'd think of, when at least when I was a kid, like it was all, you know, battleships, tanks, airplanes, uh, and they're massive. Um, and I didn't know how massive until I was watching some of their, um, I can't think, I think they sent me some email on one of their sales, and they happen to say, oh, we have this video of stuff. And then I discovered, and I'm maybe late to the game, um, but again, they have very professional model- modelers that work for them because that's their job, right, um, to sell. One, they show you that they have this massive warehouse, this huge, huge warehouse that's just filled with with kits, with model kits. And then the guy puts together one of these, uh, I think it's, uh, was that a British or U.S. tank, um, World War II tank? But I was amazed at the just the techniques he used. I mean, I learned a ton of stuff just from watching this twenty minute video of how he does it. One, he's using he used plastic weld. If you ever used plastic weld, do you guys own plastic weld? Mm-hmm. You guys don't own plastic weld. All right, so there you go. So check out plastic weld. So it's kind of like plastic glue, except it's a very it's use it in ventilated area, but it's like comes on a brush, very thin. And for the the styrene plastic that we use, you just kind of brush it on and it basically welds. It makes it soft, kind of like plastic glue does, but it's, um, you know, very liquid and you kind of brush it on and put it together. So he built the whole tank using plastic weld. And I'm like, ooh, like I never thought about that instead of plastic glue, especially for vehicles. And then he used, so he did all that put together and then he showed a whole bunch of weathering techniques and paint uh, how he did it. And he used a lot of like oil paint to use to like yeah. Get it. And I know a lot of guys talk about that. I think and uh, I know like on independent characters, some of the guys yeah. have talked about that. So it was interesting to see um, very simply how he was just using oil paints to do some different highlighting and things like so that. One one thing at Adepticon, I spent some time talking to Alex mm-hmm. uh, from Ironheart Artisans, and he sells those oil weathering mm-hmm. kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, you paint your model with whatever GW paints, yep. whatever you want, seal it with the, you know, the, the matte varnish, then use those oils on top because you can apply them and then take a little mineral spirits and drag it over right. and streak oh. to get the, the washed out look. So he kind of gave me the, the run through. Yeah. And it, I would say in this video, he goes through all that and like he added all kinds of different rust effects and dragging. Um, and he does it in like 20, very simply, you know, Ooh, 20 minutes to kind of yeah, like so a lot of those pig, those pigments, oh. the weathering pigments and stuff you can, you can mix up and add and then just use the mineral spirits yep. to, to wipe it, to give that faded look to a lot of it. So there's some really cool weathering stuff. So squadron TV, squadron TV, yep. Uh, YouTube. Yep. And then I don't know if you guys have this, um, like a putty he also used a technique with uh like a putty which is kind of like green stuff we're used to from a gw if you live in the gw world um and i actually bought it some of this because i just saw it at one of the local train shops because <laughs> again i think if you know we if you had different things go to a train shop because they have a lot of these weathering pigments and inks and stuff that you're 
again that you're you know if you're just in the gaming or gw you don't see but they're there and they're a lot of vallejo stuff and things like that um but it's just like a putty and he basically dabbed that on to the actual um just the hull and then sanded it off just to get kind of that rusted a little weather so some real again and just i watched this really quick and he hits all these really quick techniques um that all look very doable and he walks through very quick and that was just one of the many videos that they have out there so um again love the GW stuff and everything about there, but I think there's a, there's a lot of other, again, you go on YouTube, there's a million things, but I think it was interesting to see some of the stuff that we can learn from some of these historical, you know, scale modeler guys that have been doing this for, you know, 20, 30 years, right? And it's, and, mm-hmm. we're, and we can definitely take those techniques and bring them into whether you're AOS or Warhammer or something. So, so it's cool. Yeah. It was just a really fun thing to just kind of discover. You know? Extra tools in your tool belt. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. And, like, we need more hobby stuff, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on, on my work table, because I post-Adapticon into Brew City, I, I did very little hobby. I, I worked on some terrain, which I'll, I'll talk mm-hmm. about when we talk about Brew City. Um, but I didn't really do anything for my armies. So now I have NashCon about a month away where you bring two lists. Uh, I'm trying to get my Night Haunt built out, so three three Morngulls. So right now I'm painting Morngul number two. Um then I've got to figure out a unique way to base Morgul number three. I think, <laughs> think I have ways going to be ghosting up through, um, like a chapel, like a sunken chapel roof. So I think I'll figure out a way to get spirit hosts around his arm as it's coming up. So he looks like he's coalescing out of the, the building. Cool. And then well, otherwise Josh p- has some her start stuff. He could probably <laughs> give you that. You could build a base out of it. I'm sure. So, uh, so I, I got to finish my night haunt. So I got to paint, uh, two more angles, ten hex race, and two more cairn race for one of my lists, and then I'll either do my Lords of Sacrament Death March, like my Death List, or, and no, I won't, I won't get four zombie dragons done and my night haunts <laughs> done in this next thirty days. So I might have to save the uh, zombie dragons from Midwest meltdown and end of July in Peoria, Illinois. So what are all the? I don't know the race by name. What are they? What? How do they look different? The cairn race. Yep. So two of them are going to look really similar. Uh, one of them, I'm going to do a Morgast Halberd instead of the Scythe. Um, so are those, which guys are those? Those are the guys that are like tall and... They have like the Reaper Scythe and kind of up over their head. head. Okay. And the the robes that, the rest of them is pretty much a robe except for the skull face, okay. the skeletal That's arms. and okay. the, the um, So... Uh, yeah, three Cairn race, Knight of Shrouds, ten Hex race, three more. And what are Hex six race look like? They're uh, skeletal ghost riders. Okay, so, so basically it's the Black Knight horses. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yep. With the the robed like scythe carrying riders. I'm just really bad with the names. Like I know what the models look like, but I don't like have the names with the models. <laughs> yeah, so so that's that's going to be my fun kind of alternate army, and then I'll play my main Death Army probably a few games at at NashCon. Um, Coming up here very soon, <laughs> 30, mm-hmm. 30 days. Right, it's like, Less than thirty it's days. It's going to be here soon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then I'm saving it for after Nashcon. But I've started purchasing, which is that's you know hobby. that's hobby adjacent, <laughs> yeah. if not hobby. Um, but I've started purchasing my next army project. So I I lucked out at at Adopticon. I played Steve Herner round one, uh, and his army is is absolutely beautiful. Um, a Sylvaneth uh, 
army where almost everything has been sculpted and green stuffed and amazing paint marathi wrapped around a tree i mean he's just epic and then i played uh at brew city i'll talk more about my game against domus but domus Mm -hmm. is just a legend in the aos scene um and he in 30 days did a kind of wanderers mixed order with this amazing uh orion using parts from like a vermin lord a wolf head um you know just all these hunting hounds these rock just amazing army that he he hobbied in in 30 days it was so cool to kind of watch that walk on twitter he had been posting and i followed on twitter to see that army and then we can kind of talk about it to see it live was just it was really cool to just kind of watch it and then like walk in and like oh there it is there it is in person and yeah, well, I grabbed a f- quite a few pictures of that. And you and I like were talking about that. Yeah. Like you were like, "Oh, have you seen the pictures?" I'm like, "Yes, I've been following too." Yeah. So <laughs> like we kind of have like a yeah. oh, this is the army but like live in person. Yeah. It's super cool to see. So I I after Bruce City, I put up a a, a tweet basically that mm-hmm. referenced those guys and talked about my next army project, how I'm going to kind of change my approach. I usually will do an army on a deadline for a tournament. I want to do a true like hobby project try my hand at some sculpting, really take time painting, not rush it to get it to the table, not play with plastic just to get practice. I want to hobby first. When it's done, bring it to the table. I I don't know. On Twitter, it seemed like there was some skepticism. There's there's some heavy skepticism (laughs) from from, uh, some of the... Some of the friends in my, my <laughs> local local meta. He's going to prove them wrong, people. He's going to prove yeah. them wrong. So, mm-hmm. so I and I even found like a paragraph in the book. So, uh, from the depths they rise. The Idaneth Deepkin look incredible, and there's a paragraph about the the Immerlock Idaneth of the Arctic Hellfrost in Shaiish, and they know that there's been this necroquake in this energy. Mm-hmm. They try to send word to the rest of the enclaves, and then they join with the Morphan. The Morphan are one of the enclaves you can play, so I'll play them probably as Morphan, but I'm going to hobby them as this Immerlock Deepkin enclave that lives in the frosted regions of the Realm of Death um, and go from there. So I'm I'm excited to get started with that post-Nashcon. i got to get... Mm-hmm. One more tournament army done, just <laughs> in a rush. Uh, but then really spend some time this this summer, this fall, winter, and, and hopefully that'll be my my Adepticon army. Cool, cool. Yeah, they like they, those models are so cool. And the ideas you've thrown out uh, to us sound amazing. So I'm yeah, excited to see it. Like Troy, I spent hours watching hobby videos the other night. <laughs> I, Monday, I didn't get any hobby done because I was. Looking at all different basing concepts and <laughs> you're what doing I research, do. yeah. So I went down this like YouTube hole no. <laughs> of ice and terrain and water effects and uh, so excellent, cool. And I just wanted to throw in there. So we talked a little bit about our friend at ministomp.com, uh, and I did get a whole bunch of stuff that Ty uh, coaxed me into buying, uh, including in that though was a whole bunch of because buying is hobby it is um basically setting up my escher girls that for necromunda so i have all that stuff sitting there ready to rock and roll so i'm trying to figure out figure out when in my uh in the queue that i'm gonna put those guys together because i really i think it'll be fun to play some necromunda um especially now that they have rules for like the gene sealer cult people and for chaos cult and then if i can build some escher and escher uh gang 
um, and get tied and maybe between his AOS stuff put together one of his gangs. And my, then my Goliath stuff. are almost there. Yeah, see, that'll be good because we have I have all that stuff, and then we bring out one of the Brian Nero bases and put it, build it all up, and yeah, yeah. it's perfect to like, yep. play on. So I'm in, and I can reuse a lot of the stuff I did for Adepticon Space Hulk is. For some reason, it just happens to be Necromunda terrain. So, I'm <laughs> so coming soon. Maybe we'll see. What it was it? July, <laughs> maybe June, but probably July. <laughs> All right. So after we're done playing and hobbying, we also have a tendency to spend some time on Kickstarter. I think we have some Kickstarter uh, roundup, and then maybe some some new games coming that aren't Kickstarter but up for pre-order, various things like that. So. Outbreak Undead Second Edition. Yep. So what's cool and some of these. So the, uh, Outbreak Undead that was a Kickstarter of I don't know even like a year ago almost or maybe a little less. Um, and and I'll digress. So I was on Kickstarter and I you can kind of look at your history. <laughs> and so I have like thirteen outstanding Kickstarters at the moment, which <laughs> might, might might be a little lot. And I tried not to add up the amount of money that's tied up now that I've loaned, basically invested in these uh, in these things. So here's my shocked face. <laughs> <laughs> not he's not. not. If you can't yeah. see his face for some reason, he's not. For shocked. For those of you not that. watching, yeah, <laughs> he's not shocked. Um, but I just wanted to. So I'll break in next second edition. They have released the PDF ver- early version of the actual of the rulebook. So it's been fun to kind of read through that. Um, I think what's it called? The Survivor's Guide. And it's the complete, uh, whatever, 300 and, uh, and some page or however many it is. And, and to walk through. I have not walked, read through the whole thing in super detail to see all the kind of little changes that they've made. But we saw a little bit when we played the second edition kind of last year at Gen Con and, and continue to play it. So it, it's just good to have that in uh, in our hands and start to to read through it and gets me excited to to play that a little bit and uh, run some kind of game so uh and then the other one that uh we talked about last time was was uprising the rpg which is in the dystopian universe um role-playing game so dystopian universe which is the uh, indie cards and games uh universe that has like uh coup and uh grifters in it so really kind of interesting. And so the guys at, uh, what's uh, Fred Hicks and those guys at uh, oh, Evil them. Hat. Evil Hat. <laughs> Evil Hat Games. So as soon as you actually put in the Kickstarter, they actually have the game far enough that you got the PDF of the initial uh, oh, cool. RPG. Which, nice. Uh, and I was reading through that the other night, and I'm really excited. I think it's because, I mean, we really like like Fiasco and some of those. And, and this feels like this game is kind of a little bit, not as much your traditional RPG, but a little bit more in the kind of the indie RPG. It runs on the fate system. Um, and so you have um, the the fate system and, and you have like a set. What's interesting is you end up with a set of like um, your squad. There's like six different characters that you're kind of, I would say like stuck into, but you pick one of these six characters and, and those characters have certain kind of, uh, characteristics to them and there's a lot in this book that really they, they i want to say warnings but strong because of the they really set up a lot of 
kind of you're all cooperating because you're trying to be against the government and you know press but there's a sense of some betrayal kind of like the, the games right like coup and everything else where there's some there's definitely a betrayal mechanic in there um and it's come kind of backstabbing and so it's interesting the guidance that you see in the book from an rpg perspective around hey make sure you have the social contract in place <laughs> with the players because there can there can be some hard times here basically also player death they're like you can kind of you know running a player uh, and and having them die is not unknown in this although it's interesting again there's a handshake where the uh, as a player character you can basically mark your character for death basically letting the the gm kind of say i'm okay if i'm you know i'm going to make a sacrifice i'm okay if this character dies and then, and the idea is that you can pretty easily, like if you die in a kind of, and the idea is to make it a glorious death and, and make sure it means something. Right. Um, but then it's easy enough to just pick up another character and kind of bring it into the gang. Cause the idea is right. You kind of have this, this gang of people that is working against the government. So having somebody come in and out would kind of work, but um, I think really interesting in kind of that, you know, we, you know, D and D is kind of the classic RPG, and you have things like that. I think it's interesting here where you have a lot more concepts that you see from kind of the indie RPG uh, in terms of you know aspects where you know different things that you can as you narrate the 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 action that's going on, you kind of say, well, I have this aspect that can be you know um, all government things are the same or something, and I can add that to get pluses on my my role or something else like that. I mean, if you're used, if you're at all familiar with Fate. I think you'd, you'd, you'd pick up this pretty easily. Um, but just reading the book, I was kind of interested about how do we find the right... It would be fun to find the right group and kind of run through at least one or two of these things to see if it has some some legs and we have some fun with it. Because I know how much fun we have with like Fiasco, which is way kind of way on the spectrum of indie RPG, right? Right. If you put D&D on one side and kind of Fiasco on the other, I would put this kind of maybe two-thirds of the way towards a Fiasco or something like that, maybe a little less... Um, where the fate system is and what they have how they've kind of structured it because it's it's fate but they've even got some more you know structure around it to make sure you're creating kind of a, a narrative that's going to cause some kind of some backstabs and some kind of you know tension within the group even though you're kind of still all working towards a common good as the group so uh, really interesting read i mean ty be interesting to have you kind of take a look at it and see what your thoughts are um, see what you think about that, or Josh, you too, also. But <laughs> I know that this feels like something that Ty would really kind of sneak his teeth into, and for sure, and see what he thinks about it. So, yeah, my 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 reading bench is a little full. Uh, things things are happening that I'm I'm reading, um, but I will uh, I'll try to give a look. Yeah, and and so I I mean that was the again I don't think that uh, that Kickstarter is done, but again that it sounds like they're going to very quickly get this out into market. And hopefully available. And uh, so again, I'm really excited, and I would really recommend people kind of check it out if they're at all interested in kind of that maybe a little something different in the RPG in the RPG world. So and and if you're again, or if you're used to kind of a fate system, it'd be pretty cool. So cool. Um, so I was out on the Kickstarter, uh, just kind of browsing, and normally this wouldn't catch my attention, but uh, I saw Mantic. Uh, was the publisher, and I was like, oh, interesting, okay. Uh, it's Hellboy, the board game. It's a co-op board game for one to four, set in the Hellboy comic realm, and I was like, oh, well, if Mantic's doing it, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's something cool. So. Maybe it's mediocre? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, maybe it's, you know, something <laughs> I'm more sad. than... That's, I've just never, that's been my, it's always my impression of the Mantic stuff, and I feel bad. I'm, 
that shouldn't be that way because I haven't really played a whole lot of it, but it always feels like it's like they're they're trying to make it really good and it ends up being like eighty percent of what it could be. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, I've heard really good things about the Walking Dead game that they've done. So, mm-hmm. um, so hopefully, this maybe is more closer to the stuff they've done in Walking yeah, Dead and no. less less like some of the other stuff they've done in the past, right? Uh, it just kind of caught my eye, and uh, so yeah, I thought that was sort of interesting. I think it's uh, fifteen or twenty days left, so if, if that's something that uh, you're interested in, take take a peek. Um, but yeah, it's out there. Hmm. The minis don't look too bad. Yeah, it it it, it looks pretty cool. So um, I mean, just based on the, what's on the Kickstarter, so. But the question is, am I looking at... I'm probably looking at 3D renders and not actual miniatures. Yeah. I, I'm i not entirely sure. So, um, The other interesting one out there that I believe is probably over as of uh, you listening to this, but Fireball Island. Uh, probably Eclipse mm-hmm. 2.5 million as of uh, you listening to this, but... Uh, Definitely uh, a fun game that you know has some nostalgia there. Uh, yeah, and it, I think it yesterday. I think it just finished again as we record this within yeah. the last two days. I just wanted to throw in there. It was funny because they were doing kind of the tour around the U.S. with the kind of the the demo version. Uh, a couple guys, and they were in in San Antonio yesterday. Again, as we record, and my brother Ben was. Literally, they were down the road. He's like, "Oh yeah, that shop's down the road," and he and so he went with and brought his kids, and uh, they got to to try it out and play it. And he said it was it was a blast uh, to check it out. So that was I, I thought it was just really cool that the, he he got lucky enough that they were near him that uh, uh, he got to to see it and, and play the game. And it was funny they have the prototype version. He had some pictures of the prototype version that they had out there, and uh, I know well, I'm in on it, so it'll be interesting to. Yeah, to check it out, and it looks like it'll be fun. I'm on a Kickstarter like hiatus, so I'm gonna just let Troy <laughs> yeah. buy everything. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I've been doing. Unfortunately, well, it was, and it was Ben's message that kind of reminded me of it. So I, <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, it was. Yeah, I just happened to be. We had been talking, and then I and uh, he, he I reminded him. He's like, "Oh yeah, I have it on my schedule. I'm gonna go because I didn't realize like the store is." Just like a couple, mi- not even a mile away from his house. I think it's just around the, That's excellent. Around the corner. So, very cool. So then, off off of Kickstarter, there's some other stuff upcoming. Um, one that Josh and I both kind of noticed is uh, so my little scythe. We've talked about um, uh, Stonemaier game, Jamie Stegmeier's mm-hmm. scythe, and how much fun we've had <laughs> uh, playing that game. Um, but Josh, you want to, want to tell us a little bit about my little scythe? Yeah, sure. So, um, the cool thing was it, it's a fan created print and play game, uh, from 2017, uh, that Stonemeyer found, uh, and, and is publishing now. So, um, <laughs> uh, it's one to six players, uh, it takes about 45 minutes to play ages eight and up. So it's kind of, you know, for the younger, um, younger crowd, and it kind of takes um, mechanisms and 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 tools and things from inspired from the best-selling scythe game, right? So the the, the near and dear to our heart, uh, awesome game from Stonemaier. Um, so this uh, it actually won uh, Board Game Geek 2017 award for best print and play game, uh, and I think that's how uh, you know it got some notoriety. And and they were like, hey, we should we should make this an actual game game. Um, 
so they're they're taking pre-orders now. Um, I think from Meeple Source and also from uh, Stonemaier Games uh, proper, and um, they they're gonna have a pre-release at Gen Con as well. So um, so if you pre-order it, I think you can pick it up at Gen Con. Uh, they'll have a pre-release at Gen Con, and then I think two weeks after Gen Con, they're they're actually gonna have it in stores. So, um, kind of looks interesting. Uh, very cool, very scythe-ish, and um, you know, it's got uh, kind of some characters that are you know f- uh, family friendly and uh, definitely a family friendly game. So, uh, definitely interested to to check it out. All right, I might be in on that. I yeah, know. right. I, yeah. I saw that. I was like, I, oh, at first is... I was like, ah, what is this? And then I'm like, now I look closer. I'm like, ah, it, might, it's pretty uh, cool looking. Be in so, yep. yep. But yeah, definitely one of those uh, gateway type games, right? Um, bringing in kids to play uh, fun games like that. So. Speaking of gateway games with an easy learning curve, who wants to talk about X Wing 2.0? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. Uh, I just wanted to touch it on one thing on it because you can the internet is just ablaze with all the stuff so and, we're and never according, in, according to neil from work i don't like anything <laughs> from work. so the one thing i thought was interesting and because i haven't done uh, again look on the internet because there's people they're just people are amazing team team covenant who we like those guys um i do like team covenant neil yeah yeah i really like team Covenant. <laughs> they do they have a really nice um a couple of really nice videos describing all the stuff that goes on there um including gameplay with one of the designers they actually have really you know actual gameplay uh, which is really really good but the biggest change is on the dials took away green and changed it to blue so that we might actually be able to read the dials. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah. So I think somebody was fine. Somebody. It seems like somebody was thinking that from so, from a colorblind perspective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, That's I bet you I can tell the difference between the red red maneuvers and a blue if like you uh-huh. know. So that, it's my understanding, at least, is that that's on the dial. They've changed the dials um, a little bit, and I think they did something to again go and check it out for sure. But something where actually you can like the back end isn't covered anymore, so you can actually like see all the maneuvers on the back of the dial, and then oh, okay, that way you're not doing the funny like spin it all the way spin around. it all the way around to try yep. and find it. You can just find it on the back, and then cool, flip it over, and then the big the color change seems to make sense. And there's a lot of little stuff in there that seems like it. it the game needed it, right? It, it had kind of stalled out, and they, I think they were in a box, right? Then when they designed it, they kind of. Unfortunately, we're kind of in a box for all what what in, tor- in order to create. They, you know, it's been five years. I didn't realize it's like five, five and a half years, six years. The game's been around, and it kind of like used up all the design space they had. So I think they've added like the idea of a medium sized ship, kind of in between, you know, the small ones and like the Millennium Falcon, which is a large. Mm-hmm. Were some of the big things, and then um, and it sounds like they're doing maybe I don't know. It sounds like they're doing some smart things where you don't. They're doing like a cardboard upgrade, so you don't you don't have to rebuy like your ships, but you can just get all new cards and things like that. To, cool to upgrade things. So I don't know. Well, I've kind of spent myself on an X wing, so I'm. But it may you know may upgrade at least a little bit to to play a little bit because it, it it looked interesting, but it also looks like it's the same old yeah you know, right old stuff. But they definitely made it better, kind of like. Well, talking about template movement, um, <laughs> the new X-wing. Yeah, the new X-wing. Uh, so, Gaslands, uh, Burn-in <laughs> Designs. Uh, 
has some Gaslands terrain dice templates and these awesome shifters um, where you can track your hull points and your yeah. gear. And they're really, they're really like a player board. Yeah, it's, it, it, it exactly. looks like the uh, dashboard of your car with a little um, space for the the different things to go. Right. Yeah, and it's all this you know laser cut um, uh, MDF or whatever. Um, it just amazing looking. Like if you want to take your Gasland stuff to the next level, uh, check them out. Uh, Burn in Designs. We'll we'll put the the link in the in the show notes. But it, it's pretty cool looking stuff. So but, and they're not like they're not ridicu- ridiculously expensive. No, these are like super. Oh, these are. The, I mean, the really big one is a little expensive, but the other ones are perfectly. I don't know. It, it's it's awesome. It's super awesome. So I might be purchasing right, a couple. Let's of take those. a break while I order these. Yeah, right. And then uh, <laughs> these are ridiculous. These are amazing. Yeah, right. Super cool. So yeah, check them out. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. But yeah, burn in designs. Um, and then also, uh, so I have acquisition disorder. Uh, Frontline uh, had a their spring sale. Oh. I think so. I bought a few game mats. A few, uh, yeah, a no, couple. Because you yeah, can't decide on what I couldn't. Yeah, there was a couple that I couldn't pick between, um, and and they had their sale. So it's, it's like you're getting. Yeah, we we did a big order for the uh, the gaming club and the tournament, um, and I I threw one in for myself. Absolutely, so picked up the Badlands. What did we ever do before they were these mats? Right, <laughs> we did on felt. felt. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, or coffee tables was. with books and <laughs> mixed nut cans and right. rolls Pringles of toilet paper that, for yeah. rivers. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so I got an email. So I, I waited about a week after I ordered them. And I'm like, I didn't get a shipping email. I get, a, I get an email about a week later saying, uh, yeah, so our sale was super successful. And <laughs> we got to make more mats. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're a little back-ordered, so I just got my shipping uh, like a day ago. That's, so, not, that's still not bad. Yeah, no, it wasn't terrible. But, and that's what's nice, because I mean, Frontline manufactures in the U.S., so right. it, it literally is just how long does it take their factory to, to and who knows their factory, is probably out. a room in the back of their right. building, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where they crank out the mats. So, have you ever yeah. seen, have you ever seen, like, it's kind of, I mean, it's really like a big press. Like you have the big neoprene thing and then it lays down the, the print the and then it like, and yeah, that, fabric yeah. and it like irons it down and like cuts it out and cuts it out. Yeah. It literally just kind of oh, like, cool. that's how you make them. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, some news. So this was pretty cool. I saw the YouTube video. Mm-hmm. I assume Troy, you watched it. Yep. We frequently watch uh, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played. Mm-hmm. He had a big announcement. He tweeted it out, put it on his on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I was like worried. Yeah, right. <laughs> like because you saw what's this, happening? like what's happening? What's yeah. going yep. on? Yeah, yep. I, was, I was worried Rodney was going to say, "I'm done. I'm done." I'm yeah, I've, I've taught you every game I can possibly. Yeah. Don't teach do it, Rodney. You. Uh, <laughs> but it it was one of those messages that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of talked about his relationship with other people in the industry talked about um kind of board game geek and how they're a big place that people go in the in the board game hobby industry to look at game reviews and rule questions and different things and how that relationship kind of developed um and then announced basically that they're 
they're joining forces. So um, Rodney will be kind of powered by Board Gaming mm-hmm. Geek for a year. I think they said yep. they're going to give it a trial run for a year, see how it goes. But it means we'll get more content from Rodney. Uh, it'll get more draw as people on Board Game Geek, you know, become more aware of what he's doing. So it was, it was really cool. Yep. yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And kind of kind of big news in the gaming content creator uh, space. Yep. Yeah, and I saw a, a bunch of comments that were like, "Oh, this is awesome!" You know, like yep. it's like uh, you know, chocolate and peanut butter come yeah. together, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was yeah. uh, and I think it, cool it sounded like it was really again as much as he's you know he's kind of been funded by you know crowdfunding for the last yeah, he's, three four years. He's done a um, like a Kickstarter, yeah. Indiegogo yeah. kind of. Mm-hmm. Crowd, yep. crowdsourcing yep to that but i'd sound like you know it'd be nice he's not he's happy that he doesn't have to kind of do that anymore that he'll actually you know it's another more steady stream of of income or at least somebody who's funding him right. again for a year to do that right um, for all that he's giving back to the community company. and again i don't think he's ever had a, it seems like he's always been very successful with his fundraising and stuff but i imagine as being that person to kind of like every year, kind of like having kind to bite your out, nails a little bit, your nail, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. hey, you gotta you know put your hand out and you know, right? To do that, it, probably finding another source of funding just gives him a little more sense of stability and uh, and everything else. So yeah, um, best of luck to those guys, and we'll keep. I mean, again, we try and support Rodney and throw his name out there whenever we can because he's taught us many games and does some really good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, classes are empty, need to stay hydrated, Uh, but we will be back in the Basement of Death library. Welcome back. I hope you have all renewed your library cards and are willing to follow the rules. Maintain a quiet level of voice and join us in the Basement of Death Library, where we will talk about what we have been reading, uh, listening to, perhaps even watching uh, recently in the Basement of Death. So, first and foremost, um, Troy recently Mm -hmm. read a science fiction novel. It was, I believe, was it Aaron Dembski Bowden? Aaron Dembski Bowden. Uh, a black library author does tremendous work in the um, 40k horse heresy um, black library novels talked about uh, and also a phoenix suns fan it, basketball <laughs> yes <laughs> so so he did uh he did say that he often realizes he doesn't talk about what he reads or what inspires him and he mentioned this book um called children of time by adrian tychowski uh, it's one it like the Russian, it looks Russian. Maybe it's Polish. I don't know the last name. Um, and, and he referenced this book as just incredible prose, very great, like excellent science fiction. Troy recently read it. It was the t- 2016 Arthur C. Clarke award winner, uh, for, um, basically best science fiction novel of that year. Um, I am reading it. I'm about a third of the way through it, so we're going to try to keep it oh, spoiler Yeah, we'll light. keep these all spoiler-free uh, until... Uh, and, and provide more of a general concept review here. But, Troy, what were your thoughts on Children of Time? I loved it. It just was a nice, a different... And I can see why, why uh, Aaron recommended it. Just 
very different from what um, you were kind of used to. It kind of broke, broke, kind of had some normal, you know, themes to it, but kind of really broke those things and really came at it from kind of a different, uh, different angle. And I love the idea of and it, children of time. And it's not really a spoiler is that you basically have kind of earth is dead and it's really people from earth trying to find a new, new place to go. And they kind of have the idea, the technology to kind of do suspended animation and put people to sleep for long periods of time. Um, so it was really interesting in how the story's told from different points of view and how it jumps from basically, you know, you, you wake up yeah. and then the character goes to sleep and then they wake up and you have to kind of like, it's well, con- is it, what is it? Yeah. Is it a thousand years or 200 years? It's that concept oh, of dilation of time yeah. where and, time truly becomes meaningless in a way, but you see all of the change that mm-hmm. has happened since. But for those people, they have no recollection mm-hmm. of it. They know mm-hmm. that centuries have passed, but they don't have the collective experience yeah. and memories of those hundreds of years. So it, it it makes me think a lot about is, you know, when I was younger, my, my dad always said, time goes faster as you age. Yep. But it plays with that concept that, where oh. time's not going faster, but it's going so fast, fast. it appears slow. Yep. Like, right. it's a weird manipulation of uh, something that's usually pretty steady in, in narrative, in, in fiction, is a timeline. Mm-hmm. But this makes it very difficult uh, to, to understand where you are in the, the timeline. Yep, and and there's and I loved how the again the beginning of the book I loved how it kind of really jumped into like the action started page one like stuff was happening page one and you're like what's going on and boom 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 by the end of chapter one you're like what the hell like all right get me in and then and then because it jumps around a little bit you're like you lose you change points of view so then it's kind of by chapter four before you kind of come back to like all right where are we. Um, and then and again, as time kind of keeps progressing too. So there's kind of three main points of view that you get from the story, which is really interesting because they're two very different points of view. And I don't want to give some spoilers, but you kind of have kind of your normal uh, protagonists, which are the humans that are basically trying to find a new place. Like where are we going to reestablish civilization for the earth? That that's kind of the overall um, arching theme. But I would actually argue that that's not the most interesting theme in the book. That's just probably the theme that you as a as a human person can most relate to mm-hmm. there's some uh, there's another basically another plot line in the book about some basically a, a, a civilization we'll, we'll that's being creatures seated. yeah, yeah a civilization that's been seated and that's kind of interesting that's where the book starts is a group of people is basically trying to is terraforming different worlds and to make places more places for people to 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 live that's kind of where it starts and then things kind of go south from there but one of those places and how, how that kind of develops is one of these other plot points. Um, and so really interesting to kind of get it back and forth. And, uh, and I know Ty, you were kind of like in earth or first on, he was kind of like, I don't know about this other, this other plot line that's going on, but I actually found that the more actually ends up being the more interesting, interesting plot line. Every, every page I'm increasing my pace that I want to get through it. It's one of those books that's building steam as it goes. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a fan of fantasy. 
you know, dark fantasy. Which is funny because I'm I'm the sci-fi guy. It's kind of um, funny. We yeah. are we're kind of like, which is good. Like it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, I love I like fantasy, but I'm a big science fiction guy. And Ty's kind of like, yeah, he likes science fiction, but he's a big fantasy guy. So this this is uh, this is up there so far. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But it's it's also what's important to note. I believe it's a standalone book. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's not a trilogy. It's not building a, a wider story. It's this is it. Uh, it's pretty weighty. There's a, a good page count mm-hmm. to it. Um, and all I keep asking myself is, okay, when are we going to see the uh, the headline on Variety <laughs> or Deadline that this book has been picked up to turn into mm-hmm. a, a series like Netflix <laughs> yeah. or Hulu, Amazon, something? Because it it fits that you know yep. that mold uh, as we see more sci-fi done well on television. Right. Um, and, and you want your friend Josh to see and it. I want Josh to get the story. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and Josh, it is available as an audiobook. Ooh, all right, yeah. And it's read by uh, a, a British uh, woman. And I now believe between Black Library and this book, all books should have a British narrator. <laughs> I'm just done, like, yep. forget it. Like every book should have a British narrator. No one, yeah, that's one hundred percent agree. Yep, mm-hmm. that's how it should work. Yep. All right. So, Children of Time, Adrian Tychowski, Tychowski, I'm going to mispronounce I'm going to let you pronounce forever. it, and I'm going to try. Uh, <laughs> it starts with a T-C-H something. It's just crazy, one of those names. But Children of Time, you'll be able to find it. Uh, 2016 Arthur C. Clarke winner. Um, we're loving it. Troy has loved it. I think mm-hmm. Troy probably has it in his upper echelon of sci-fi that he's read. So Yeah, I have. that's... Probably my favorite book of the year so far, um, and probably well into last year. Um, yeah, it, in the last probably twelve months. I'm trying to think of something I like more than that. I'd have to go back and, and well, find something. Speak, really, speaking really good, of things so. you like a lot, Dan Abnett. Dan Abnett. Um, so his newer is it the Eisenhorn? Yep. So uh, we talked a little bit about. It was interesting. Like we haven't heard a lot from Dan because he's been off like doing all the other stuff he does, like Guardians of the Galaxy and. And the comic books and everything else. Um, writing video game stories. And writing video, yeah. So he had, we had the War Master, which was the Gaunt's uh, Ghost book that came out end of last year. And then also we got, it was, was it probably earlier this year, February, whatever, the Games Workshop released an, a, an, a Gregor Eisenhorn model along with the release of the Magos, which was yeah, his so, new book. So Eisenhorn is a inquisitor in the 40K world. Um, the empire has, uh, three branches, uh, different ordos of the inquisition that seek out psychers, alien menaces, do the covert, um, work for the emperor. And Gregor Eisenhorn is one of the elite inquisitors, uh, of the, let see, Ordo Xenos or, um, yeah, I think that's the, but, uh, uh, so the character has been well-developed through several books. Um, and this is the most recent. I haven't read uh, the Magos yet. What were your thoughts? Does it does it feel like we're coming to the end of the Eisenhorn story, or does it um, feel like it's setting the table for more? It's definitely because um, I wasn't sure. Yeah, what, what what to expect out of out of this? Um, and what's interesting is the Magos is set up. This is uh, I would call it an anthology. Basically, it collects a number of. Sh- it's a monster book. I have it in front of us here. It's a monster book. Um, how many pages? 720 pages. Um, but what it does is it collects a, a number of short stories. So I think it's one, two, three, like 
there's about 10 of short stories that either touch on Eisenhorn, other people, if you're used to, if you know the Ravener series, which kind of basically there was the Eisenhorn series, which is three bucks. Um, and then Ravener, who was um, kind of disciple of uh, studied underneath Eisenhorn. And then he, there's a series of three books for Ravener, who was another uh, inquisitor. And so there's short stories that with Ravener, um, Eisenhorn, uh, people that are in their retinue, and actually be, those two guys actually ended up sharing. There's a couple of characters that actually crossed over when, at the end of uh, the third book, from when Eisenhorn kind of goes kind of off into the whatever his retinue. Some of those people end up with with Ravener. So there's a bunch of short stories, and you read it, you're like, oh yeah, they're just collecting a bunch of short stories. There is one short story. I don't know if again if for people who are Eisenhorn and Ravener fans. Thorn Wishes Talon, it basically gave me goose. And I had read this book because it's part, it's in one of the anthologies. I think it's in the Ravener anthology. Just gives me goosebumps because it's it's basically in the Ravener trilogy. It's when Eisenhorn basically makes a reappearance in that, in that character. So having him kind of then basically as you get through these 10 short stories, you're like, oh, this is neat. You know, this is, is this GW just kind of like putting things together in the book? And I will say no. You need to read all the short stories because what's really interesting. And then, then you get to the Magos, which is an, again a, a novel link story that basically is a is a, a story in Gregor Eisenhorn and in the Retinue. It's kind of the return, so it's interesting to have Eisenhorn back to to do it. But what's very interesting is how the novel basically ties in a lot of these things that are in the short story tie into the novel. So I. I I really give them a lot of credit. It's really interesting because um, at first I thought, oh, it's just, you know, yeah, it's a nice collection. They pull together all these short stories together. Black Library's done this in the past, right? Oh, you know, we pull all the book. these things have been in different books and they've either been put out in digital format or whatever. Oh, it's a nice collection, just a way to for somebody to get it. But no, the way he narratively puts all these, there's a reason that these short stories are there. And then when you read the novel, you're like, oh, this is really, this, it's really cool. And, and, you know, where he's going with the character, it, it kind of, there is also the, um, the, there's a story out there with the, um, the untouchable that was in his, I can't think of what her name is. That's in his, that's in his retinue. Um, there's, she has, he wrote one book on her and the idea is there's a trilogy there that he's never kind of finished. So this book kind of falls in between. Um, is where, where he wrote it. So, so it, it, it's, it is a story. It's interesting to see where that's going to go. Um, so he definitely kind of left it open, but I, I got a lot of satisfaction out of it. And the, again, there were times when I was just like, I had goosebumps because these, this character kind of means so much. Cause he was, you know, like a lot of the stuff Abnett did, he, he basically created a lot of the backbone for the 40 K kind of narrative and universe. And, uh, and Gregor Eisenhorn is this, you know, epic character that, um, that that's been there, so it, it was fun to have him come back and 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 again, I went into it thinking, oh yeah, they just collected some short stories together, and there's kind of a novel thrown here. It, it's much more; it's a it's more than the sum of the parts uh, to get there. So, awesome. um, so really, really fun read. And if you're any, if yeah, if, yeah, if you love the Eisenhorn stuff at all, I would I would recommend it. And and don't skip over the short stories, even if you've read them in the past, because it it's worthwhile to go through those before you get into the the main novel. So. Very cool. A lot of fun. 
Dan Abnett, a legend. Um, yep. Yeah, I was I was just reading a, a little bit in there. I flipped to a random page, and it was dialogue <laughs> between Ravnor and, uh, and Eisenhorn. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Some reference to the like old Lovecraftian king in yellow. So, no. yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And he, yeah. Yep. See, you hit a really good page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this, this is great. I'm going to have to get that one on Audible probably. Speaking of Audible, uh, I have been listening to Kevin Hearn. He wrote the Iron Druid books. I read Iron Druid 1 through 5, took a little break, and uh, picked up Plague of Giants. It's his kind of epic uh, fantasy novel. Clock's in at 22 hours long on Audible, so I don't know what that is in page That's count, but it's it's uh, it's great. And it's kind of Norse mythology. Uh, there are these bone giants that have been have raided they're this new people that came out of nowhere slaughtering people across the the known world in search of there's kennings different schools of magic like the first kenning is fire the second is like earth the water so there's different elemental magic it's called kennings and they come to find out the bone giants are in search of the seventh kenning that nobody knows exists and they're they're looking for it and it's told from the perspective of so there's a there's a land called Rael, and there's Raelic bards that have the ability, their kenning uses these little rocks they break that let them take on a seeming, so they look and talk like a person, and they have eidetic memory, so they remember everything they're told and read. So the story is told from Fintan, this bard's point, talking to these people in this field, a field of refugees, about how they got to this point and what happened but it's always these different characters. So the there's a male and a female narrator that when stories are told by the female, it's told in her voice and accented to the different people. <laughs> so there's, there's giants and there's these different uh, civilizations that all interact, um, but he constantly shifts and changes. And then the the kind of king, the noble of where he is, doesn't trust him because Raelic bards are known spies and... Um, you know, if somebody can memorize everything and they can retell it and look like anything. So he sends his court scribe to like accompany this guy. So this guy's an elderly guy who's also then you hear his point of view as he describes the bard and the telling of this tale and he's recording it. So you get these different viewpoints. Um, I'm, I'm only about halfway into it, but it's really cool yeah. how the, the story, cause it, you know that these giants raid. You know that they're killing all these people. And now you're finding out what has happened to lead up to it. And all these different stories that don't even interact with the giants yet as they build out these different right, characters exactly. and viewpoints. So it's just this huge fantasy epic. And Kevin Hearn has a really a really cool writing style. There's some song throughout. So like the bard will sing a, a little song. And there's some po- like epic poetry and... Um, it's just a, a cool concept of playing with kind of what Rothfuss did with Name of the Wind, yep. where you're hearing this long, drawn-out tale with many different parts through a narrator who it, you don't really trust. It, <laughs> it brings up the how much can you trust this yep. guy? Is he trying to spin a, a tale of intrigue and in politics, or is he really telling you things as yep. they happened? Um, so I would say it's worth checking out. It's a mammoth book. I can't imagine... <laughs> The, the page count on it um but i'm i'm really enjoying it and the the narrators are great so cool yeah kevin hearn because that, that's the iron druid 
serious guy too right now i know that that's yeah. kind of in my queue i want to kind of you mentioned that before and i kind of want to check that out because it sounds like yeah i'm gonna enjoy those if i once i stink my teeth into it yeah he just released the eighth and final iron druid book so i read through the first five real quick and i said i want to take a break plague <laughs> of giants that i think released last fall um looked really cool and and uh, I had an audible credit, so I was like, I'll, I'll download this. And yeah. now it's I'm, been my... I'm still fighting my, well, I shouldn't say fighting. I'm still working my way through Dresden. I think I'm 10 books just, in. Just switch. 10. Not, yeah, I know. So I may take I a break. The I, I love the, I love the Dresden books, but they, I li- I mean, the emotional journey you go through on each one of those books is like, I literally, I have to take a break. Cause you're like, oh. and you know that. And I feel like as we get to the end, he's got more, there's more characters, more at stake. And I just feel like he's gonna like mess with it. Like he's <laughs> Butcher's gonna like do some stuff and just like mess with you. So it, yeah, the, each one of those books I have to like psych myself up well, to kind of go through. And he's been and away from Dre- from Dresden for a while now. Mm-hmm. He wrote um, kind of a steampunk like skyship novel or two. He did the Codex Alera stuff, mm-hmm. the the like high fantasy novels. He did one Dresden novel, but now right. the question right. is when is the next That's Dresden? Because we don't know if it's going to be the final chapter yeah. of Harry Dresden or... Because yeah. he did, one, like, for like a decade, he did, like, one a year, right? It yeah. was kind of interesting, right? Because in the book, they basically take a part about... I think a year of time passes in about between each book, and he was basically releasing about one a year for about those first 10 to 12, I believe, and then he mm-hmm. kind of slowed down as he did some of the other stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to catch up on that, so... Yeah, it's like when do I? I don't know. I'm always torn. Like, should I just power through and get caught up, or should I jump into something new and keep going? So, yeah, I have like reading ADHD, so I have all these, all these books started. Like, I'm almost I'm 80 percent through Neuromancer. I'm like the Book of Five Rings, uh, Stoic, like Stoic philosophy. I'm, I'm reading Aurelius's letters, like all these different yeah. things that I dabble in. Now I've got Jane McGonigal's Super Better on on the shelf, so. Once I get all these books done, I'll be at my my goal for the yeah. year. Yeah, I know you're ahead of me. I'm behind. I'm behind the curve. I just, but I have a, again. I have a bunch of stuff half started. So yeah. I'm hoping I'm gonna like jump ahead. As I'm I, at twenty years of date. I've read read twenty books. It's pretty good, man. I'm under, I'm under ten, I think. Unfortunately, got to hit twenty five by June to hit my fifty goal. <laughs> um, all right. I also finished Flight of the Eisenstein. Eisenstein. Yes. So not Eisenhorn, but the flight of the Eisenstein, mm-hmm. a uh, frigate in the Imperial Navy that Nathaniel Garrow escapes from Horace's fleet to bring uh, the word back to um, to the em- emperor. So it introduces us to Garrow. Um, it really shows us the Death Guard. Shows us you know the true. <laughs> destructive nature of Horus, which we see a little bit in Galaxy and Flames, but um, it also was a key point in Troy's reading guide. I don't know. <laughs> we tried to tweet that out there and, and get that his amazing Black Library guide to the Horus Heresy. <laughs> so check out our uh, our Twitter, and I think did we we'll link it on Facebook for sure. But yeah, it was and it's up on the basement of death. Basically, I, I kind of I finally got around to throwing it up on basement of death and tweeted some links out to that. So I, again, I hope people enjoy it. I mean, your your mileage may vary. Um, you base that is basically you know it's tuned to kind of the the factions and chapters that uh, that I and maybe I know Ty kind of uh, lean to. So um, 
there may be other things that I'm sure there are other very epic uh, stories in the 40 some books and hundreds of some short stories out there. So uh, feel free to comment and definitely add anything that any, any gems in there that that might be missed. But Mm -hmm. um, the idea was basically to give, you know, somebody who's, if you're just jumping in, how is there a kind of a narrow straight path to kind of jump through and which ones do you want to jump in and, and spend your time on? And cause again, they're all good they're all in, in some form, they're all enjoyable. Um, but if you kind of want to just get an idea of what's going on, I, hopefully I can give you a, some ideas of, of where to, which books to kind of hit and which ones you could skip and just look at what yeah. the summary well, is. I, or I need something. to go back to it now cause I got to figure out what's next. Where, where do I want to go uh, in the heresy? Um, then real quick, Brian Vaughn, uh, he's done most recently Saga uh, mm-hmm. graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, he did Why the Last Man, which has been picked up by one of the networks for a series. Might be FX or I don't think it's AMC, but um, so all of, all men on planet Earth isn't that amazing? I've read that like I don't except even know. for it's, Yarek, yep. uh, and his pet monkey. Yep. And uh, I read volume one. Now I'm going to go through the the next five or six that there are. Uh, just fantastic. Brian Vaughn is such a good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, interesting to see what happens to society if if all men except for one were to were to die. Yeah, and I've I've only I'm probably maybe a little bit further than you or whatever. I, again, I probably read it. When did it come out? Ten more years ago. That because that yeah. was his first, um, and it went on for quite a while. I mean, because there's quite a number of mm-hmm. when he did that comic book series. But it really isn't it really really good. I, that's yeah, it's yeah. one of those epic. I mean, there's in comic books, right? There are certain series and things that are just like epic, and you're kind of like everyone should read it. And that's one of those like Why the Last Man. And I have not finished it. It's one of those things where because he did run that to an end, and I'm kind of always been kind of like I should grab that and I want to say figure out what six happened. Or seven of the paperback, the volumes yeah, that collect several of the issues. Yep. So, but yeah, I highly recommend. But just Josh, really you can do interesting. Comic books. Yep. Yeah, that's light reading. Yeah, no. I'm in. All right, graphic novels, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> and they're not. But I don't know. Do you? I find like I, you have to work to read it. Like these oh, graphic yeah. novels are deep. Like they're deep, and you have to work to to read them. So, so you were asking me what was the last book I read? So <laughs> the uh, the graphic novels for uh, Walking Dead. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, I borrowed uh, a couple from Troy. I think I might have bought one or two. Yep. That that was probably the All last. Right. Yep. There hey, you go. That counts. Graphic novels count. Yep. Um, and then that's all the reading I've been doing. Troy, did you have anything else that you've been reading other than Armored Saint, which we'll wait till I actually read to review? Sure. We'll, we'll hold off on that. But, but you Armored read it and were disappointed? Hmm. You were just meh? Yeah. Okay. It, it, yeah. And, and I, yeah. I, we'll save it. I, want, I, want you, I won't spoil anything. All right. We'll, we'll come back to Armored yeah, Saint. Yeah, come back and see if we can... Uh, and that and and who knows? But which, I think the second book will be out. Why I want sometime. to touch on Mike Cole is he just announced his new series. It's taking mm-hmm. the Coast Guard into space, space right. so it's a sci-fi. <laughs> there we go. Space. So now we're in my uh, kind of space thing. opera. So, no. And Mike Cole was a Coast Guard um, guy, so it'll be interesting to see what the Coast Guard in space is yep. like. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see that. Um. Other than reading, we've been watching. So I, I've been tearing through some Spanish language stuff on Netflix, um, which yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> so I had I had taken Spanish through through high school, 
Um, so I, I, I did too, but I still can't. Well, I can't. I, I can't understand. Words. Yeah, that's it. Um, so not enough to watch television. But it, it's helping. So it's it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm picking up more the more I watch. Uh, so there's this Netflix series called The Money Heist. It it all takes place in one day. This group of robbers plan this heist of the Spanish royal mint. So they get in and it shows their plan how they infiltrate and they have hostages. And then it all resolves like two seasons of it are this single day of their heist. So, and I, I love the idea of the heist. I mean, mm-hmm. I recently got uh, Dusk City Outlaws, Rodney Thompson's indie role playing game that he released, which is all about a fantasy world heist and the concept and fiasco and other things. It's just a, a fun idea to play with. So, seeing this show evolve is is really really interesting. And then uh, there's a, a scary movie which I don't usually like horror films, but Veronica. Uh, people were saying like, oh, we can't finish watching this. It's supposed to be um, just horrific and scary. And it deals with possession of a teen teenage girl. She's mm-hmm. like 14 or 15. And her and her friends play with a Ouija board and like mm-hmm. something comes back I'm already after the out. seance. Mm-hmm. And then it's interacting with her and her little siblings and the absent mother. And uh, there's some moments where I was like goosebumps and scared, but got through it. We got through it, finished it, and I was like, "That wasn't that bad." I could, I could do that again. But there were a couple <laughs> scenes where I was like, "Oh man, this is dark." Uh, I've, I can't. I've never been able to make it through The Exorcist. I don't know something yeah, about. Creepy, I just get yeah. the possession. Like I can't. I don't the know what it is about thing. that. Like yeah. yeah, I can't. It freaks me out, and I've yep. never been able to do it. Like yeah, even so, uh, Key and Peel had like a, a possession. Uh, the, mm-hmm. you know in their comedy thing yeah. and i was like yeah that's weird you know <laughs> and it's a comedy thing yeah. right so yeah no i'm i'm with you that yeah the whole possession thing's weird so yeah that's that's and once you watch one spanish language thing netflix picks up on that and it refers <laughs> to a bunch so i'm like oh and evidently i must have watched something with like uh like actor from India or something. Cause now there's a bunch of like Bollywood stuff on my, <laughs> on my Netflix feed. I'm like, what? I don't recall this, but okay. So it's funny how Netflix is, uh, uh, algorithm does that whatever decides what, what to queue up for you. That's funny. Well, uh, I guess switching, uh, providers, uh, Hulu. <laughs> uh, so I originally got like the, the, what do you get a week or two for free? Um, from Hulu, uh, to watch Rick and Morty, I really just wanted to watch uh, binge watch Rick and Morty, and crank through that. And then I was like, you know, I've heard a lot of really good things about Handmaid's Tale, so I actually was at my end of I, th- I think it's a week, maybe it's two, I forget. I was at the end of the free trial, and I'm like, I watched the first episode or two of Handmaid's Tale, and I'm like, this is actually pretty good. I'm in. I'm in. And you knew it was a book. I did know it was a book. Okay, yes, just checking. Um, so I actually got a actual subscription for Hulu, and then um, so yeah, Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood. Uh, I think published in 1985. Um, <clears throat> dystopian universe or t- dystopian. Um, United States. I think it's uh, Gilead is the the new. Um, country i'm not spoiling anything um yeah it it basically so without going into too many spoilers it's uh 
a really good story. Uh, it cranked through the first season pretty quickly because um, I, I went through the first couple episodes and I was like, what is going on here? Like, super confused. And then, um, you know, they kind of start to clue you in a little bit more and I, I was totally hooked. So cranked through the first season and then season two has just come out and Hulu is such a jerk. They <laughs> um, they release new episodes on Wednesdays. So it's not like uh, Netflix where they just dump everything out. All at once, yeah. Right. It's a, it's a Wednesday. So basically now I have to renew uh, my subscription hmm. for for longer. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, super good though. Like, um, I... A uh, big fan of I, I I don't know how it compares to the book. Obviously, I haven't read the book because I don't read. But um, <laughs> the the series is really good, so I would highly recommend it. It's it's got a lot of acclaims too. And so I think the lead actress is Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, uh, from so Mad Men um, and, and other shows. Yeah, so good. She's so good. Um, and yeah, like. Uh, all the Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss. Liz did Moss. I say yeah. Olson? You did say Olson. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, it's like Matt Damon and Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sorry. Um, never apologize never for things apologize. you don't regret. <laughs> and Yvonne Strakowski. Yes, from uh, Chuck. 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 Yeah, she's right. like one of my favorite. Yeah, oh, she's yeah. so cool, and she does a really great job. Like. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, everybody in the series, like, they do such a great job of it. Um, yeah, no, big fan. Check it out. Um, stick with it through an episode or two, because the first couple episodes, you're, I don't know, I was a little bit like, what is happening here? But, um, yeah, no, it, it's so good. It's it's really good. So, anyway. Cool. Cool. And I have to imagine that they go much past the book. I mean, they've got like three series. There are three seasons, right, out there now? or two? Uh, season two, two, two just started. Just started? Yeah. Um, no, so, so maybe they're, yeah. But it sounds I, like they probably expanded on probably. the book. And, or, yeah. Because like, it was 1985, and so books were like tiny then for some reason. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm big on not spoiling things, so I'm not going to say yep. anything about it, but it's so good. All right, Very so good. get that Hulu uh, free trial. And watch The Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. uh, based on Margaret Atwood's book. So, if you're into the reading thing, go in and pick up the book mm-hmm. and let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, we'll have this reading list, watching list out uh, with our show notes. So, definitely look for, look for feedback and comments. But we are going to close the door on the library, come back to it perhaps in a, a month or two. Um, and we are going to dive right into our main topic. Um, I'm not going to stop for a break. I'm just going to keep plowing on because that's what keep I do. Keep going, man. Um, and we're going to talk about the inaugural 2018 Brew City Brawl here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It took place April uh, 28th through the 29th. It was a two-day, five-round tournament put on by uh, the guys from Milwaukee, Age Sigmar Gaming Club. Uh, find them on Twitter, at Guys Milwaukee. But first and foremost, the uh, powerhouse duo really, of um, Brendan Melnick, uh, the co-host on Cubic Shenanigans. He's a local uh, Age of Sigmar player here in Milwaukee. Decided to put on a tournament um, and really show show the Midwest what, what we can do here. Um, Brendan smashed it out of the park. Uh, 
excellent job as a tournament organizer, a clean pack. And then um, partnered up with Brendan on the tournament side was uh, uh, our buddy Bryce. Um, he acted kind of as the recruitment director and also kind of the, the just a true champion of the chari- uh, charity effort. Um, we did partner up with uh, Prevent Suicide uh, Greater Milwaukee. Um, and so, you know, it's not like you make money when you put on a tournament, you cover <laughs> expenses, but, uh, we, we ran a, a charity, um, raffle, which I'll talk a little bit more in depth to, to raise money. So, um, Bryce did just an incredible job with that. It was uh, very near and dear to him and, and a few other members of the club. And then, uh, I also want to give props to Heath, um, Heath did all of our paint judging, so that's a lot to go through the checklist and hit all 38 armies in a in a timely fashion, uh, with you know a scoring methodology and um, and provide that. So those three uh, did a just phenomenal job, kind of facilitating the weekend. There was some heart, uh, help from other members of the club, you know, as as we just set up, and then some guys from out of town. Um, <clears throat> but ultimately. I will just run through the the tournament. I know you guys stopped in, so I'd like to hear kind of just a spectator um, to the tournament what you thought before I really get in in depth to the um, you know the games and, and the charity itself. But it was local hotel. We had a nice big ballroom, mm-hmm. a little dance floor in the middle between all the tables. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think coming in Saturday? Kind of seeing mid mid tournament full okay. swing. I'm gonna pour my drink though. All right. <clears throat> yeah, no, it, it was a great space. Um, it was really great to uh, kind of walk amongst all the armies and see. Uh, I think we kind of came at the end of day one. So, yeah, round three was wrapping up yep. when you guys walked in. Right. So, um, kind of right in the throes of, of it all, um, checking out all the armies and, and kind of seeing everything going on and. Uh, I mean, really did a great, they did it, you guys did a great job um, hosting this. Um, you know, everything was super clean, super organized. Um, yeah, I mean, and everybody had really well painted armies. Uh, I don't know, I, I, I was kind of, uh, a little sad that I didn't, I, I wasn't able to join, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we need to get people. So next yeah. year, I'm I'm committed to bring you two to yeah to Brew yep. City. Has to happen. Yeah. No. And I think yeah, the same like Josh said. I, I I'm glad I got to go and and just stop in and say hi to everybody. And I mean, uh, and we bought some drinks for a bunch of for for everybody that was there from kind of the BOD and and friends. Uh, we made sure we you guys had all plenty of, uh, of much appreciated. Of, of, uh, you know librations and your opponents we also made sure your opponents had had uh plenty of drinks to go there um but a really nice space um like josh was saying and then it really made you kind of a little bit jealous like oh this would be this looks like it would be a fun because you just got that vibe right and sometimes you go into a tournament and it's like eh right you know it like you get a feel for different like what kind of players are there right but Mm -hmm. this like you just i don't know how you did it right but there was a just there was a sense of community Mm-hmm. From every every table you walked around, again right. we walked around from all you know. We had about five or six different people we knew that were playing, so we walked all around, said hi, and again talking to people we knew, their opponent, everybody you know, checking yeah. out some conversations. 
And even um, people you didn't know, like and people, just walking right, by, looking yeah. at their army, they would stop and say hi. Like they're in the middle of a game, yeah. and they'll like you know stop and oh hey how's it going whatever you know yeah. super super nice everybody was super cordial. Um, I don't know a great vibe. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a great yeah. great vibe that came out of that. And again, nice great space. Looked like you guys had. Um, plenty of you know you weren't crowded that's no, what you, you don't like to when you come into it yep. thing and you're like everybody's kind plenty, of mashed plenty together. of room and room to expand even. yeah that's absolutely. not the biggest room at the venue right which is, yeah. is nice um I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the venue so ultimately crown plaza hotel uh, milwaukee airport um we were in one of their ballrooms we had uh 20 tables set up we had 38 players show up you know i mean first year i, I think part of it is the venue doesn't know what they're going to get um we don't know what we're going to get there were some bumps, you know, throughout the weekend, just in general service from the the staff at, at the hotel. Um, nothing game breaking, you know. I my guess is we'll return there. We got to evaluate cost and see see if there's anywhere else that makes sense. But um, certainly, you know, it was, it was a great space. Uh, there, rumor has it there were a few cold hotel rooms. Oh, really? <laughs> so, no. So one of the guys uh, spent some time at the bar and then went back to his room and opened up the window. <laughs> and didn't tell anyone else, and then they were in the middle of the night just freezing. <laughs> so, uh, but I I crashed on on Brian uh, from Anvilate his his hotel room floor that night because rounds one, two, and three were pretty drinking heavy for me. <laughs> um, but uh, but it was cool. Um, like you guys said, just a awesome sense of community, and that really was you know the key to the weekend was how everybody got along. Um, you know, very few minor problems. I, I don't think many judge questions had to be answered. It, it was uh, just a wonderful group. We had nine first-time uh, two-day tournament event uh, attendees, so like nine rookies to the tournament scene. Then we had some, you know, some of the old old guard, Mike Butcher, guys that have been playing uh, and hobbying since God knows when in a Warhammer uh, fantasy battle, and, and a few others. So. Um, key to our event i touched on it but the charity uh raffle uh the guys from milwaukee um heath ryan dave nordstrom and bryce did a, a number of pieces of terrain um i i did one and i apologize if i left anyone out but we uh we put together basically two tables worth of terrain and this kind of sunken graveyard look uh and all of the terrain and one of the swamp uh fat mats from frontline gaming um <clears throat> went to the winner of the the raffle and we had a ton of other stuff donated people brought in kits like i threw in you know one of the box of six prosecutors and a, a fidian archway and brendan threw in something bryce you know everybody kind of had extra stuff and it's like let's bring it in and give it away i think somebody won a snotling pump wagon that somebody brought in so <laughs> you know um and then what was really cool is bryce pulled all the raffle tickets and uh we raised um, just shy of two thousand uh, dollars for the charity. So that's awesome. Um, when you've got a tournament of thirty-eight people, I mean, do the math and a few <laughs> attendees coming in. Just uh, everybody opened up their wallets and 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 bought raffle tickets. And now it's how can we do this bigger and better? Um, and now that we've got our footprint, you know, next year's <laughs> charity event, getting more donations, getting the word out there. Um, but that was that was huge, and, and Domus uh, won the table and terrain. That's which, cool. Which he uh, he did like eighty eight pieces of terrain for Adepticon, 
just um, sprinted to make sure Adepticon could expand mm-hmm. to what it was. He brought up Adepticon terrain for us to use. Uh, filled, you know, 30 tables worth of terrain. We we only had needed for 20 of that, mm-hmm. but uh, just a, a ton of stuff in his van. So couldn't have gone to a more deserving home. Um, so congrats yeah. to uh, to Domus for the yeah. I mean, we didn't mention. Win. I mean, like as we talked about, the, every one of those tables, like the terrain on every one of those tables was amazing. Like right. it was really really cool. Like, because again, was, like you, you go to a first time tournament. That's where you'd expect you're like you're like oh maybe things are a little sparse not at all like again right. you had the no, match you had big. amazing yeah. turn and turning on every single table and it, and it wasn't like all the tables looked the same no like it was no. you know a sand table here yeah. uh, a swamp table here like they were all different so yeah. it's super cool like we, uh, they did a great job we gave an opportunity too for people to bring tables so five or six of the tables were people that brought a table and set up all the terrain. And then the players voted on best table. Um, so, you know, that was an opportunity. And then they got a trophy for best table after the cool. player vote. Nice. Um, in the uh, respect for everyone's time, I don't want to talk about five detailed games of Sigmar, but I kind of have a few bullet points. Just want to talk about my opponents. Round one, I had a grudge match versus Domus uh, on a Skype hobby session. He said, <laughs> I wanted to grudge tie. And I said, all right, Domus, let's play. Uh, so sat down across from him. It was the most fun I've had playing Age of Sigmar in <laughs> uh, maybe ever. Just a fantastic game. Um, we started with a screwdriver at 8.15 in the morning before we started playing, or 8.30. Um, but he had just that beautiful army we talked about in our hobby segment the Orion conversion that counts as Alarial. I talked about the screwdrivers. Oh, curse of years happened in turn two. Of course it happened. Of Ar- course it does. Arkin took off Alarial in turn two with curse of years. <laughs> so his 600 point model, uh, fell, fell to the, the curse. And then, uh, he had 20 hunting hounds. So 20 separate war scroll choices. And I flew my mortis engine up and then pulsed the once per game attack that does D3 to everything it hits within the range. So you roll four dice. I got 19 inches and I just started rolling D3 against every one of those two wound hunting hounds and killed the majority of them. I mean, whoa, just blasted. And he's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. But played a great game. Just super. What a gentleman. Um, uh, Just great. Round two. Um. So can I can I get the the quote from Domus here on Twitter? All day drinking, fat kid sports, which is Ty's Twitter handle, is a god among men. Just just one of the, <laughs> the, the, that was the uh, so after, that was that was his uh, his comment. So, it? so after after I took off Alarial, I said, Domus, I'm buying your drinks the rest of the day. Partially because I feel bad about that, but also because you you made this happen with the terrain and the tables. So. Uh, added, told the bartender, you know, anything he wants is on me. We had three drinks during our game, round one in the morning. <laughs> so uh, started the day right, but um, just, a, just a class act. So then I went to round two uh, after that, that win where I played uh, Jake LaCour. LaCour, I'll pronounce, mispronounce it. It's one of the, it has an apostrophe in it. But ultimately, Jake is one of the uh, central members of the Detroit Warhammer Club. Um, you know, they, they always are on the top tables at Adepticon. They're fantastic players. He had boats and guns and dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had a chance, so I gravesite deployed my grave guard. I had a nine inch charge to hit his boat. If I'd hit his boat, he had two units out, the rest of his army in there. I could have swarmed it, locked it in. He couldn't have deployed. I would have won the game. And a nine inch charge is about a 27%, right, 28% chance. So I rolled the dice. Uphill, yep. Rolled the dice. I missed my charge. And then from there, he just it's picked tough, me apart. Man. His his uh, target selection, priority, his field of fire, the arcs he set up. I mean, the guy has played his army probably 100 times, and it shows. He just picked me apart. I didn't stand a chance. Um, but had I had I landed the charge, that was my one hope. Yep, right. you, know, you, it's, you got a chance. So uh, Jake was a great guy. We had, he had a lot of fun. Um, that game ended pretty quick. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think we got two and a half turns in. Um, then, so I was sitting one and one. I played uh, Nick McKenna. He had a Nurgle Blight Cyst, which is basically he had the uh, Glatkin. He had a Greater Unclean one and a bunch of Blight Kings um, with a Blight King hero. And uh, Nick is a buddy of Brendan's from college who lives in the Chicago area. Came up for the show, for the for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fantastic painter. Uh, his army looked beautiful. Um, that's when you guys came in. I was yep. playing Nick. Um, we had a great time. He squeaked out the win in the very last turn. Uh, so I'm, you know, just another fantastic back and forth game and then ended up spending most of Saturday night in the bar, uh, drinking with Nick <laughs> for, <laughs> for that evening. Um, and we did go to dinner. We did. We did. And I had a blast. I mean, I, again, I had a blast. It was, uh, just to, to hang out with everybody and, um, what did we have? Six or seven of us. Uh, and ran out to again thanks paul for the good uh yeah restaurant. yeah paul uh, dk recommended jalapeno loco over on um howell right across from the airport and we we sat down and had a nice uh bod family dinner yep indeed that was good i have a blast them that's just hanging out with you guys is the whenever we get to do that with the kind of the, the greater crew is, is yeah. always a highlight of my weekend so it was a blast to do that and dan from cubic shenanigans and Yep, um, Dan Bears, Brian Nairo, Brian Nairo Paul, yep. Paul, uh, the three of us, and Tommy, Tom. So, yep. so yeah, good time. Indeed, then went back to the hotel where we, you know, had a few, um, a couple, two tree. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Sunday morning, not worse for wear, not hungover at all. I lined up against from uh, against the table from Christian Ware, uh, Australian guy who lives in Chicago, yep. who um, in about two weeks painted an Idaneth Deepkin army with a bunch of Namardi yep. thralls, both Eidolons, Tidecaster, and then fifteen Canari Heartrenders from the Daughters mm-hmm. of Cain, um, and got to see what Deepkin do. We had a yep. we had just an awesome, super close game. You know, it was one of those games where at the end it could have gone either way. I pulled some uh, death shenanigans, so yeah. Yeah, death can resurrect models onto the table. I brought back twelve skeletons. I stretched them, you know, twenty-two inches across the table yeah. when you put them an inch apart, and then retreated onto his objective and claimed mm. it to go up the one point. I needed the win, mm. then weathered the storm in his turn. He didn't have much left, yeah. and Arkin dig curse of years thirty Namardi thralls in turn two. Woo. So four games, two successful curse of years. <laughs> I'm gonna figure that's, out the odds. That's fifty percent. Yeah, I know, right? Well, fifty percent of games. I, I cast but you cast it a bunch of times, times a game, each right. game. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but Christian and I had a wonderful time. Uh, it was cool to see how how Deepkin play. Um, 
just another another great game. I mean, I was I was four for four on fantastic opponents, close games, good games. Um, I gotta give him credit for getting that army together. Cause, yeah, I mean, you played up. I just I kind of walked by on the Saturday and took. I thought he did a decent job. I mean, it wasn't like super painted, but it had paint. It looked very. Yeah. It looked respectable. I mean, it very. You know, it was good enough to put on the table and and where he could be at least proud that okay, here's I got it painted in a couple weeks and got it on the table and yeah, uh, the play against it. So I could give him yeah, a lot of credit. Pretty, for pretty good job. Yeah. Getting it out there to to play with and yeah. And uh, it was interesting, just fun to see the Deepkin kind of in, in the mix already, right? So. Yep. And then uh, round five, I lined up across uh, the table from Tom Slater. Tom is a local guy at our, our GW, um, plays chaos all the time, has everything known to man that's chaos. Uh, and uh, he brought a Nurgle army. He was originally going to be the ringer for the tournament. Tom was going to be the ringer that played like the bottom table if we had an odd number. Brendan and him kind of tuned down his list, but Tom just plays so much that it's he finished four and one uh, with this ner- mixed Nurgle list. It wasn't battalions; it was just kind of a mix of marauders and a jabber slith and a big block of knights and warriors. It's pretty nuts. Uh, and I had Arkin and my White King, so my general and Arkin kind of out on my right flank, ready to move up and do what they do. And all of a sudden. His knights have moved 18 inches with a run. They get by one of the feculent Naramaw, the Nurgle trees, so they can run and charge. He hits an 11-inch charge. <laughs> so he's moved 29 inches, in essence, 28, 29 yeah. inches across the table and reached Arkin and the White King, who I thought, without a doubt, were 100% safe where yeah. I had them yeah. uh, out in front of my battle line on, on the flank. And he hits, and Arkin's not fighty enough. The White King has five wounds, so I'm like, this is not good. He took out my general, he took out my big character, and from there it was just uphill, and in turn three, uh, he he just he got me. All the uh, starfall, or star strikes, so the objectives, all dropped on the side of the table that he had. I mean, one, two, three. <laughs> the first time I roll a six, like, all game is when I need it to be a one or a two for the other side to have a chance. And Tom played a great game, finished four and one. Um and uh, and beat me in round five, so I finished on two wins, three losses. So subpar for for me, but um, uh, I'm gonna go through some trophies, uh, not all of them, but just a few. So the champion, 15 year old uh, Isaiah, he's a local guy, um, plays a lot of games and at the shop. Him and his dad are in there almost every weekend. Uh, he top 15 Adepticon. Um, I know he was in the top tables near the end. Uh, I think he went four and one at Adepticon. Um, he was running a cunning ruck with a uh, bone splitter. So just a ton of shots. He had perfect battle points. Um, and it was, it was really cool to see, you know, in, in essence, a kid, I say mm-hmm. as a, a teenager, but, um, just roll through people. He, he played a, an army that's tough to, to play. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he executed perfectly. I mean, full battle points and, and won the, uh, the mini keg, which is funny because, <laughs> uh, we had an engraved keg for the, the trophy. So. Because he can't drink. Right, yeah. right. His dad will use that. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Uh, and it's funny, his brother finished dead last and won the wooden spoon. <laughs> so they bookended the, the tournament. Nice. Um, best in faction, so Mark Tobin, another local guy, a guy's from Milwaukee, um, won best death. Uh, order, Alex Gonzalez in his Stormcast. Alex is the Adepticon tournament organizer, co-host on Garage Hammer. He came up to support us, which was awesome. 
um, really appreciate him him coming up and he uh, he killed the most dudes and <laughs> was bloodthirstiest general and won best order. Andrew Simons had an amazing looking corn army, um, just a really great painted army and, and won the games he needed to win best chaos. And then we get to best destruction. There were four destruction armies. Isaiah was one of them. He went five and zero and won the tournament, so couldn't win best uh, destruction as well. So uh, they announced it, and my brother Tom won best destruction at two and three. Got to take home the hardware. So he, he smiled as he went up there. <laughs> Earlier in round one, he had said, "I'm not here to win games." I'm just here to kill things. Classic Iron Jaws. <laughs> played, it, played it like an orc the whole tournament. Uh, tabled one or two opponents. Lost a game where he tabled his opponent because yep, he, yep. he like, lost like one point right? by one point. Yeah. So Tom Tom had a great time, great tournament. Um, best painted and player's choice. So the player vote for best looking army mm-hmm. and then the highest technical paint score went to Mike Butcher, his Nurgle army. And who won best sportsman? That's an interesting question. I did. Ooh, look so, at you. So, um, so I received four uh, favorite opponent votes. Um, and you got worst opponent on the on the fifth one. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I want to I I find out from Brendan who, who didn't give me favorite I'm just opponent. kidding. I don't really know. So when he released the, the scores, there were a couple guys with three, and, yep. and I had yeah, four. Because I, I was looking at the uh, overall. You got, overall 10, you got 10 points of your sportsmanship vote for submitting your list on time. Every game you answered three questions. Did your opponent show up on time? Did they have all the materials they needed to play? And did they um, did they they play like in a reasonable amount of time? Mm-hmm. So there wasn't like a five point scale on sportsmanship, which we'll talk about. Which kind of mm-hmm. is a segue into our sub main mm-hmm. topic: mm-hmm. is sportsmanship is an award. So um, some places you give your opponent a sportsmanship score one to five, five for being your new best friend, one for being just a total mm-hmm. turd or zero. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, for this, Brendan did the, the three questions, the list submission, and then it came down the favorite opponent. Um, and, and so ultimately, it's usually points or votes, and favorite opponent uh, comes in to, to determine yeah. who really wins it. Now, we do have two GT Best Sportmanship Awards at this, uh, this table, so to speak. So we'll talk just a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, sportsmanship in general. And if you want to go win best sportsmanship, rumor has it you can just buy all your opponent's drinks. Yep. <laughs> or you can do some other things. <laughs> uh, so, Troy, you won best sports at an Adepticon 40K. It wasn't Adepticon. It was oh. uh, RockCon. RockCon. So it was the uh, yeah, gentleman's, uh, not the, but it was a two-day GT they used to run at, uh, at RockCon. So it was quite a while ago. So it was like 2011, 2012 something like that but it's still my very i'm again very proud of again when you're in i mean that was probably again the same similar size 30 40 people uh in a tournament so when you can kind of pull off a sportsmanship award um it just makes you feel pretty good like all right you know you're you're doing it something right i mean yes it'd be great to win overall whatever but um at least when you know people are having fun playing with you and you're having fun playing with them i mean that that's it's a good it's a good good thing to do right but in the end, I don't know that it should be that hard. Like it, right? I mean, it, to get the, the the best sportsman is is great, 
but hopefully everybody's doing a thing. And I think what was interesting, like in the, the tournament you were at, right? If you look at the we overall had, we scores, twenty four of thirty eight people receive a favorite opponent vote, right. which says that it was spread across. Everybody created that yeah. environment, right? Um, and and I think there was no, and which again, good or bad, I I, I think it's hard because I, like we said, there seemed to be a very good sense of community. Like there weren't any real bad apples. It seemed like in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody scored max sportsmanship points. I think everybody had a 25 from what I saw quickly when I looked at the overall scores. So there wasn't a, so good or bad. The question is, should there have been, like you said, should there have been maybe a bigger scale to try and create some separation in the, the point score? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, that may not be, it, yeah, it's always I, hard in sportsmanship. Like, do, cause again, it, like there didn't seem to really be any bad apples in that room. Like, yeah. so did you really need to create it? But again, when it's part of your overall score, should the, should there be some scoring that creates some separation there a little bit to make it a little bit more important, to, a little more more focus on it? Um, besides, because like you said, it really came down to favor opponent voting. Um, yeah, and, and, and sometimes you know, best sport ends up being the guy who goes zero and five and mm-hmm. just has a great time. But um, what I what I think is is always good is when you see those favorite opponent votes spread out. You see mm-hmm. the the point scoring. Like myself, when I'm when I'm playing mm-hmm. against somebody, uh, and there's different mentalities to this. You start at a five with me. Like mm-hmm. I don't know you. You're starting at, or I should say, you really start at a four out of five. If you do things that, you know, are nitpicky or just kind of slow play me, you might drop. If you do something really cool, you know, or you're, you're just your attitude, you increase. And, and I kind of go from there. So it's case by case. And I, I don't start at zero and make you earn every one of your five points. Um, but I follow a general rule of don't be a yeah. dick. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, and, yeah. And to get, and, I mean, I think Ty, you're the same way when we played against each other. I, when I'm playing, whether it's we're playing a basement game or I'm playing at a competitive tournament, I think there's something about transparency mm-hmm. where when I'm playing, I'm always trying to, this unit is doing this. I'm shooting this. I'm, here's what they do. Um, and and I'm, I'm rolling these dice. I'm hitting on the, just being very, and you're like, well, why do you just keep talking? Right. It's like, you are like, I'm always talking. I'm always saying what I'm doing, what, yeah. what I'm doing. So there's no confusion. If there is a question from your opponent, he can ask it then. Um, and trying to also get ahead of any kind of, I want to say controversy, but, uh, I think like age of Sigma or 40 K, especially charge. I'm, I'm a big thing. Like I measure the charge first and we agree this is yep. eight inches, right? I need mm-hmm. to roll an eight. I don't roll a dice and then measure. I, and yeah. that's a simple thing. And some people do that and it's fine, right? Yeah. But I'm just like, the easy thing to do is I'm going to measure it. I'm going to have you give me in a thing. You're good. Eight, right? Eight gets me there, right? Okay. And then we roll the dice and the thing. So there's nothing about I roll an eight and then you're there and you're like, oh, I don't know. That looks like seven and three quarters, yeah, right? right? And you, you just avoid that situation. It's the, And you can be totally fine with that, you know, measuring after and like, oh, yeah, we'll agree it's seven and three quarters. But it just removes any kind of, you know, if you avoid any of those situations and be there's very no ambiguity, tra- no ambiguity. And yep. if you try and, and, and make it very transparent, I feel like that creates the atmosphere yep. where, again, you have that with your opponent and, and hopefully they're reciprocal, right? That's what you, you know, you talk about, Ty, right? Mm-hmm. Is you, kind of, you started a five. If, if your opponent's not being reciprocal with that kind of transparency and what's going on, then you're kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> how am I going to score that, that opponent? But I know when, when I'm playing, that's what I'm always thinking about is 
you know, are they, am I communicating enough about what's going on? And yeah. And one thing too, that I, I found myself doing and I, I do this in every game I play, I try not to get, you know, angry if something doesn't mm-hmm. go my way. Sometimes you get that, it's that mm-hmm. Warhammer face, you know, yep. like <laughs> something, the bad dice, whatever. Yep. And you get that scrunched up look. But if my opponent does something really cool or really smart or has just an amazing role, let's celebrate that with them. Yep. You're, you're yep. playing a game with toys for fun. <laughs> yep. Plastic like, soldiers. Have yep. fun. Don't be a dick. Yep. And maybe buy some drinks and then yep. win best sport. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Now it's, can I repeat? Yeah. No? That's, that's the big thing. Can I just become that the sportsmanship guy that everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's Ty. I want to play him. <laughs> wins best sport everywhere. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Not going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, it was yeah. fantastic. So yeah. and it and again, I think I did the same thing. Like I think I went two and three in that tournament where I won it. Maybe um, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> that that can be. You can't go three and two yeah. to win best sport. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, but again, I think that may be the next level. I mean, I, we have. I have seen people, and I have done it where it. Where it is the guy who's, yeah, and, and that's really, I think, a true like the guys who are tabling their opponents and they're getting the top sportsman scores. Like, that's like, yeah, that's kind of how can you be amazing. humble like, enough right, to, yeah. to so do it. that was Bruce City Brawl. Uh, we don't have a date or anything, but we will be back. We're definitely doing this again, we're doing it bigger, better. Um, and you know, if, if you were there, thank you. Uh, it, it was wonderful time. Um, hopefully, you know, we all made some new friends and we can keep, keep this community we've got here in Milwaukee growing and, and kind of, so we're, what's cool is the, the age of Sigmar scene in Milwaukee, we're bringing 11 guys down to Peoria for Midwest meltdown of the 60 players. Um, 11 of us will be down there. Four of us are road tripping the Nashcon. Uh, so we're, we're, we're traveling. We're trying to just build this. We have a a narrative event in june we'll talk about this in the event and news so i apologize but the madison guys we've kind of united with them to do a couple so we'll we'll get up there in june and then we're doing a big one in october but Very bruce cool. city brawl trophies and dice and amazing very cool we'll take a quick break and troy is gonna pitch us unlock and play it or slay it review Welcome back. We are going to step right in to a play it or slay review of Unlock Escape Adventures. Troy, you want to explain what Space Cowboys has made and give us the the rundown, and then Josh and I will uh, play it or slay it along with you. I'm guessing I'll slay it because I don't like anything, right, Neil from work? (laughs) Neil from work? (laughs) So, Unlock uh, Escape. Escape adventure. Um, so, Unlock is a series of escape room type games that we've seen a lot of. I think we've talked about the Exit group of games that have been before. Uh, Unlock. This is by and we talked about Space Cowboys, which is our our friends who do Time Stories. Shh, um, we can't talk about Time Stories. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so, Unlock. Uh, they have a sent. This is uh, and the one we played, the Island of Doctor Scorse. I think is how you'd say that. Uh, is the one that we played, which is for two to six players. Uh, a lot of the other ones, they think there's about nine of these out now that they've put out. Um, other ones you can play solo. They're like one to six. This one is a little 
Uh, this is the most, they also have a difficulty rating of like one to three. This is also the most, one of the most difficult ones. Uh, I think it's rated at three. Um, it was uh, a lot of fun. We played it with uh, I think a group of four, our normal co-op crew um, that we did. We failed miserably, but we did get through, but we just didn't get through in the time, time allotted. So um, this, it's just a deck of cards, a deck of cards and an app. Um, the cards have uh, combinations of the, some have a location that'll show other cards that you lay out, numbers of those cards that you lay out. You basically find combinations of those cards um, to build codes and things that you can put into the app um, that'll basically tell you either which uh, to get you to more cards to kind of keep walking you through um, through the adventure to, to get you to the, to the finish. Um, and you also can ask for hints if you get stuck and then it minuses time. What's nice is because you have the app, it actually will count you down on time. Um, and it, you know, you can ask for hints and it kind of knows what, you know, which cards you've looked at uh, to go through. Um, usually they play, I think they give you about an hour ish to, to, to try and complete, um, complete the, the adventure. It, uh, we, it took us about an hour and a half, I think by the time we made it all the way through, uh, uh, on this one again, which is one of the most difficult ones, um, they have uh, like escape adventures. They have mi- uh, some of them that are mystery adventures, uh, and other ones they're calling secret adventures, which uh, which are actually tend to be a little bit more I'll call cartoony or maybe for 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 junior people um, to do that. So they're secret. We can't talk about it though. Yeah, yeah, they're secret. Like time um, stories. And the cool thing also is, and we walk through a little bit, is they actually have a tutorial like. The set of uh, like 10 cards that wa- you can walk through a tutorial to kind of understand how the game works, how the app works um, before you even get into the game. So you don't even really need to, they tell you there's instructions in there um, and directions on how to play. You don't even need to read them if you could just, you can just walk through the tutorial uh, and you're up and going in like five to 10 minutes ready to go. So uh, again, we had a lot of fun, some really, there were some good puzzles. Uh, and this one, you're actually the two to six because you actually end up kind of split and you have to work in kind of two different groups for a little while, which is that's okay. why this one you need to have at least two players because mm-hmm. at one point in the adventure you end up being split, okay. uh, which ended which created some interesting dynamics, which was pretty cool. Um, so and we had fun and it told a pretty cool story to to get through. So um, that's kind of unlock. So price point, uh, I think they retail a little under fifteen. I think maybe fourteen ninety nine or something else like that. And usually you can find them around ten bucks, you know, ten to twelve bucks. I think. Uh, you know, on, on discount, and like other um, you know, "quote unquote" escape room in a box type games, uh, it's sort of a one and done. Correct? Yep. Yeah, one yeah. and done. Once you're done, what's interesting about this is you don't. There's nothing destructible about this. So it's once it's done, we can you can give it to somebody else, and then they can play through it. As, you know, they download the app and, and they cool. can go through it. So you can get multiple plays out of it, but you've, once you've gone through it, you're kind of, you've spoiled it because you've solved the puzzles sure. and so forth, but there's, you couldn't be part of another group yeah. that did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unless you, I mean, there's something where you could help moderate another group going through it possibly, you know, sure. just kind of, you know, this rule, but, but you, you could, yeah, help you would know, know the, the solution. Yeah. You could play it. Okay. Um, so yeah, have, uh, have they done any crossovers yet from the time stories? Uh, not stories that I've seen. Online? I yeah, haven't seen cool. like anything. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I, but again, I've only played. We've only played the one. I have two or three. I've kind of bought a couple of them that I have sitting on the shelf because um, I was interested in it. Because people um, have, have said really good things about them that they had fun with them. So 
And you said it's two to six. This one's two to six. Um, I think the other ones, a lot of the other ones are like one to six players. Okay. Um, and again, when you get, I think the six is a little bit arbitrary in terms of how many, it's really how many people are working together. Um, in the end, you're all kind of working on the puzzles. And uh, again, when you lay out a room, there may be a couple different puzzles that are laid out initially. Uh, and you're kind of just, you can split them up and, and work mm-hmm. through them. But in the end, they're all, you're all working on one thing. Um, so I, I think the the six is kind of arbitrary. You could probably have eight people, and it's just how many people are kind of working together sure. to help you solve the puzzle. Okay, cool. All right. Unlock Escape Adventures from Space Cowboy Asmodee. Two to six players. Fifteen bucks. Josh, play it or slay it. I mean, for what it is, for $15... Um, That's a large pizza. Yeah, it's a large pizza. You said it was about an hour and a half game. Uh, yeah, technically you should finish it in an hour. Hour. If you okay. want to succeed at it, you're going to finish it in an okay, hour. Okay, so we'll say an hour. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would play it. Like, it, it sounds interesting. So, without actually playing it, because I've never uh, attempted that one, um, especially if you can get it, like, aftermarket, um, mm-hmm. you could probably get it for $10 or... You know, maybe if your friend Troy has already right. played it, and, just kind of and you want to steal it, leave yeah. it here. Like right. I just happened to leave it. Yeah. Here. Oh shoot. Oh man. Um, yeah, I, I would play it for sure. Um, you know, I could see you know doing a, a a couple's night with someone or whatever, and 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 playing that. That's, Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Right. Couple's night. Yeah. So it seems like kind of one of those gateway games mm-hmm. that you could get you know spouses into and whatever. So yeah, I'll play it. Josh is going to play it. Um, I'm going to keep it simple. I'll play it. You play it? Yeah. yeah. And and I, and I would play too. Again, I was going to mention the same thing, Josh. I think it, it definitely has a gateway. Um, it's one of those... It The mechanics are simple enough, um, but the puzzles are in, can be complicated and interesting, but the mechanics of like just, yeah, I got to figure out what code I need from these cards that I think any you know civilians could kind of get into it. And, <laughs> and then... And, Get into solving the puzzle and and enjoy it as as kind of an evening activity. It'd be pretty yeah. cool. Production value looks good. Like mm-hmm. the art, the art's mm-hmm. clear. Yeah, um, I, again, Space Cowboys. These guys good, done good, good design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, seems solid. And, and the footprint is you know tiny. I mean, you can yeah. throw that in your back pocket. Yeah, and I I like this a little better than the exit games that we that we tried out and that we've talked about before. Um, the exit games are fun too, but I think there's something about because those are destructive and you kind of have they're like paper based in terms mm-hmm. of the puzzle. It just seemed a little more clumsy. Um, again, not a whole. I, again, not to. I think if I would have had a choice, am I going to play the exit game or an unlock? And I have them both sitting in front of me. Probably lean towards the unlock game. Uh, not saying I wouldn't have fun playing the exit game too, but it just seems All a right. little bit better on the unlocks. All right, so go pick up unlock. Uh, at your local game shop, or if you have to, order it yeah. on Amazon. <laughs> not that we're sponsored, but hey, we should yeah. do a Amazon Smile for the podcast. Can yeah. we do that yeah. since we're not a charity? Sure. No, no we probably can't. I don't think we can. We'll probably just have to get an Amazon uh, banner. Banner, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> we're launching a new ad campaign. We're going to be um, demoing some of our, our commercials next episode. Oh. Yep. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, As always, we do have a handful of events. I'm just going to run through them real Mm -hmm. quick. Um, 
coming up right away in about a month, Nexus Game Fair, Thursday, May 31st through Sunday, June 3rd at the Clarion Hotel, Milwaukee Airport. Small local con that we like to support. Um, some of us may drop in or drop out uh, through there throughout mm-hmm. the weekend. I know a friend of the show, Paul, will be running some demos of a upcoming uh, Anvil 8 project, um, a role-playing game. So look for Paul in the, the, uh, the Hall of Nexus. Myself and a few guys from Guys from Milwaukee will be road tripping down the Nashville, Tennessee for NashCon, two-day Age of Sigmar tournament, uh, just south of downtown. I think it's Franklin, Tennessee. But four of us are going down there June 2nd and 3rd, so leaving Friday, playing Saturday, Sunday, coming back Monday. Country music? Uh, hopefully. Okay. Not Age of Sigmar? No, we're playing Age of Sigmar. Oh, okay. NashCon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Two-day tournament. So... June 23rd in Madison, I talked a little bit about Coalescence, a narrative. That's a worldwide narrative event. Uh, Kenny Lull from the Combat Phase podcast in Madison is running it at Pegasus Games. Um, It looks like you bring a a 60-point warband, a 1,000-point army, and a 1,250-point army. like different. Mm -hmm. It scales, and you play three games that day in a narrative. The pack is awesome. We are the Neon. Uh, it's like the worldwide uh, narrative event organizers mm-hmm. have released the pack for Coalescence. So around the world on that day, people will be playing like through the right. pack, and then results will be compiled and put out in a story that will shape the narrative for ongoing uh, events. Um, right around that time, week before that, I'm going on the road with the Anvil 8 guys to Origins uh, in Columbus, Ohio. My glorious return to the short north district and uh, the north market. In the hall there at the uh, Columbus Convention Center. So I'm excited to hit the road with Will and uh, Brian and Aaron um, and uh, just work work the show and see the sights. Going to the North Market? Absolutely. Absolutely. Spend some time at Barley's. Barley's, I was saying. Then, um, so uh, Gen Con, August 2nd through the 5th, we are on the almost the eve of Gen Con event registration, the ultimate disappointment. We'll talk about that next time on the show, <laughs> let you know what games we get into and or didn't what we into. don't get into more than likely. Um, then in the fall, there's a handful of events. I know Rock Con, usually end of October. Yep. Uh, Holy Havoc, a narrative doubles event near Chicago I'll be at. Um, I think that's the first weekend in November. Um, Steve Herner runs that one, so we were lucky enough to get a few teams in that. And then Gamehole Con is the week after, I think November 8th, 9th, 10th, and Madison at the Alliant Energy Center. And that looks like it's going to be, each year that con is growing and the amount of people and celebrities that keep coming. It's amazing for this little, it's still a little con in Madison, but uh, just, yeah, the the people who come to it and the, the, the fun factor there is amazing. So even though we're way out from it, um, there's already, I don't know, there's always some excitement about it, at least from my, my perspective. So, for Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So that, that is where we'll be. That is a number of events, plenty of opportunities to get into the, uh, the hobby, get into gaming, and uh, play more games. Um, as you're playing those games, let us know on Twitter at Play and Slay and Show. Find us on Facebook. Share photos. Share what you're doing. Let us, let us just see all the gaming you're getting into. Um, and as always, we love feedback. Uh, reach out to us on any of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, uh, thebasementofdeath.com, um, and or please leave reviews on iTunes. That's how people find the show. That's how we get our word out there. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. 
And as always, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. I like your plain gray t-shirt. That was my undershirt that I wore today. Nice. Really classing it up. You are. Maybe, isn't that, it's probably like a death t-shirt. Yeah. He's being one of those, what are the ghost things? Uh, Spirit host? Spirit host. He's like a gray spirit host. Mm Mm-hmm. Spindly. He's got to stick his arms up in the air. Yeah. I'm not very spindly. I'm pretty stout and tall and broad. I think they call me Husky. Maybe, maybe you're a, like a what are the uh, what's the orc rogue um, rogue idol or whatever? You're just like a rock giant guy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ty's pretty lively yep. tonight. He's saving it all. He's saving it all for the show. I need to. He's only got so much to give. <laughs> <laughs> near, near empty. It's gonna it's gonna be an interesting night. <laughs>